2: The following is brought to you by the Social Suplex Podcast Network. Hey, this is Scott Norton, and you're listening to
0: Keeping It Strong Style. and let them have it because this is just an intro keeping the strong style six stars from the get-go boy yeah from tampa bay to the tokyo dome this is keeping it strong style with your host jeremy donovan and the young boy joshua smith and thank you for listening welcome to keeping it strong style the ace of podcasts on the social suplex podcast network Jeremy Dolvin here with the young boy Josh Smith and Danny from the NJPW EXT. On today's show, we will be reviewing the first two nights of the G1 Climax 31, answering listener questions, and covering all the latest news in the world of New Japan Pro Wrestling. You can support our show by subscribing and following the Social Suplex Podcast Network or keeping it strong style on the podcast app of your choice and leaving a rating and review. You can also get all the podcasts and columns over at socialsuplex.com. Check out our Pro Wrestling Tees store, proslentees.com slash socialsuplex. That's where you can get your official Keeping It Strong style T-shirt. If you enjoy this podcast, please consider making a one-time or monthly donation by visiting socialsuplex.com slash donate and click on the donate button under the Keeping It Strong style logo. This week's episode is brought to you by the NJPWEXT, the only browser extension. For njpwworld.com With features like dark mode Improved translations and layouts Custom and shared playlists Synchronized viewing parties And much much more It takes njpwworld to the next level You can visit njpwext.us today For details Danny young boy What's going on guys
2: Not much I love how you read that spot
0: (laughs) Thank you
1: (laughs) I get chills
2: every time (laughs)
1: Yeah, I guess since this is your first time here, it's your first time actually hearing us do that live. Yeah,
2: I, I wasn't aware that that was the case.
0: Yeah, I know. People are like, you actually reread that every week? And I'm like, yep.
1: <laughs> yeah, because you know, Jeremy puts a lot of like, effort, heart, soul into it, you know?
0: Yeah, I can see that. <laughs> well, uh, before we uh, dive into G1 and everything coming up, uh, Youngboy, do you want to give your update right now?
1: Yeah, so, um, obviously, I haven't been on the show uh, the past couple weeks, and uh, Danny, I'm sorry to do this when you're on the on the episode, I don't want to, you know, step on your funk because we're glad you're here. We're going to get into the G1 here in just a moment, but um, kind of just doing a little housekeeping, letting you guys know what's been going on. Um, so, you know, Jeremy had mentioned previous weeks that there was like a tragedy or a death that was kind of keeping me from the show um, basically and some some actually some listeners that are connected to me on social media the the limited social media I have kind of know but um, my brother actually passed away uh, what was the most recent holiday? Uh,
0: Labor, Labor Day. Day
1: yeah yeah the evening of Labor Day um, he actually committed suicide and so it was really. Really, really tough and detrimental um, you know, to our family and just a, a really tough, tragic loss. Still something that we're kind of reeling from and trying to get through, um, you know, reaching out, getting some help myself for the situation. But you know, wanted to be here with you guys because you know, doing the show is actually, in a certain way, kind of cathartic and therapeutic for me. But um, just upfront, haven't watched the G1 barely, you know, kind of keeping tabs on what's going on with wrestling. Um, but I am I am aware of what's happening with the G1, so this is kind of I'm going to kind of be like color here today. <laughs> <laughs> you guys are kind of I'm going to rely on uh, you and Danny as kind of play-by-play um throughout this G1 tournament because it's already starting to go. I will try to get caught up but you know, between things with my family, things with my career, uh, it is highly likely that I won't be seeing the entire G1 the way that we do every year. I uh, just kind of want to set that expectation with the audience. You guys know that we literally dredge through, you know, you name it, like World Tag Leagues, Super Junior Tag Leagues, Super, you know, Best Super Junior. It doesn't matter what it is. We, we literally, you know, every Road 2 show. Um, this is probably happening, you know, there's never a good time for it, but, you know, Obviously, it's one of the busiest times of the year for New Japan and for the podcast. But, um, you know, wrapping my head around devoting full attention to how, – how long are the shows right now? Two and a half hours?
0: What, the three. G1 shows? Yeah. Yeah, they're like three hours.
1: Yeah, so like wrapping my head around full attention to a three-hour show, breaking it down, it's been kind of difficult. But, um, you know, not leaving the show or anything like that, it's just, uh, you know, it's a terrible tragedy for my family. Um, one thing though, that you guys can do, um, if you're listening and I know we, we ask you guys, you know, download this rate, this support this, um, kind of a personal request. Cause I told my nephew who, uh, it was his 13th birthday the other day. And, you know, th- the fact that this happened so close to his birthday to his dad is uh, really, really a terrible thing. He runs a gaming YouTube channel. I don't know if it's good or not, but (laughs) (laughs) Um, if you guys, I told him that I would tell people on the show about it because he found out I had a podcast. Um, The way you can subscribe to his channel, it's Fennec. That's F-E-N underscore N, the number three, and then C, Fennec. And uh, I think he's got two channels that are under that name. um, If you guys could give him a subscribe and, you know, maybe write him something nice. I don't know. um, Really would appreciate
0: that. All right. And that's it. That's my whole thing. (laughs) (laughs) But, you know, we will have, you know, some great guests too, to be along this G1 journey. We have Danny here. We'll reach out to some other guests throughout the G1. I know uh, Sam said he wants to pop back in for probably a mid check-in. So, you know, we'll we'll keep running along. Yeah. If you guys are out
1: there listening and you guys are, contributors or content creators and you'd like to come be on the show, this is the opportune time to come in and be a support. We really would appreciate it.
0: And one other thing that we got to talk about, like we mentioned last week, our 200th episode is coming up next week. We just got done uh, recording an interview of Rocky Romero that you guys will hear next week on the 200th episode. And we also want you guys to be a part of it, guys. So send in your favorite memories and thoughts of the show in a short audio clip. It doesn't have to be professional audio. Literally pull out your cell phone, get the voice app, whatever voice memo app you have, and just record. It's a quick shout-out, favorite memory of the show, just a shout-out to the show, and I'm going to put it all together and edit it all together for the 200 episodes. So you can send me your audio, jeremy at socialsuplex.com. Uh, send it to me by uh, September 25th so I can get it all edited together in time, and it's going to be a great time celebrating 200 episodes.
1: Yeah, it's gonna suck if we've had this many listeners and contributors over the years and, and all that, and then we don't have good audio. So do us a favor, just do, leave us a 30-second clip. I've noticed Danny hasn't done it, so I'm putting him on black. Um,
2: because my clip would be like two hours long. I can't pick one moment, guys. Come on.
1: But you, you guys just um, you know, like he said, literally it's as simple as like jump on your voice recorder, give us a 20, 30 second, you know, one minute recording. Just, uh, and then we're going to chop them all together and play it as part of the show. And it, you don't have to be you, – you can literally just be a listener. If you've listened to the show and you appreciate the show, just give us a shout-out, and we will include you, which we want to. So
0: Nice. And then next order of business, you know, anytime we have a first-time guest on the show, we have to do a little, you know, New Japan background on them. So, Danny, when did you start watching New Japan Pro Wrestling? Ooh.
2: Uh I'm old. So I started watching early 90s, probably. And uh, I remember seeing Liger in the magazines, and then in WCW. And I just kind of kept following it, um, you know, getting tapes when I could. Uh, Super Jacob 94 was like, amazing to me. That, that was like the first tape I think I got that was like, complete, like a whole show. And it was, you know, I understood everything that's happening. Um, but I'm like a super lapsed fan because, I mean, I was such a fan, you know, to the point where I trained with Dean Malenko in like 97, 98. And then a couple of years later, I wasn't training. I wasn't even watching wrestling. I just kind of left it completely. And then I picked it back up again around uh, Wrestle Kingdom 9, like 2015. I think they were on Axis at that point, like uh, Tanahashi, Hokada uh, era, that, 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 you know, the height of their rivalry. And, uh, I actually, I remember I saw Wrestle Kingdom nine, I forget how I saw it, but, uh, Sakuraba was also on that show.
0: Right. And yeah. yeah. Is,
2: and I was a big Sakuraba fan from pride. Um, so then I just kind of started following it a little bit, you know, little by little more and more and more. And to the present day.
0: Nice. You have a, uh, favorite wrestler. I know that's probably hard watching for so long as there's a there one that kind of stands out to you or maybe a favorite wrestler in each kind of time period. <laughs>
2: Yeah, well, I was all about Liger, you know, Liger is the one that really motivated me to like, give it a go. Um, You know, like I I always say, there's Liger and there's everybody else. Uh, But modern, probably Okada. I mean, definitely Okada, you know, like those are the two guys that like, really uh, were key in my fandom. And but I love that whole early 90s era, you know, like. Like, I love El Samurai and no one ever talks about yeah. El Samurai, but he was awesome, you know? Uh, we, we talk about El oh, Samurai. I oh, know, I know, I'm sorry.
1: <laughs> oh, <goodness. laughs>
2: you we know, are like, Samurai, Kanemoto, that whole, like, I think of it like like the Token Retsuden era, you know, because like, we were playing those video games, and it was just a great time. I really enjoyed that stuff. So, yeah, um, I love the juniors of that era, and also now it'd be Okada. Love Ishii, obviously. I mean, there's so many high-level workers at this point. Um, but yeah, that that, that would be. It. I'd say Liger and Okada if I had to distill it down to a guy from each generation.
0: Nice. And then probably an even harder question: What is your favorite all-time New Japan match? Yeah, super. hard. <laughs> I, I'm <laughs> going to give you
2: a, a really corny answer because I'm sure it's like you know a match that a lot of people it uh, is a favorite. Okada Omega One. Mm. Um, I know that you know you can. Those are like kind of interchangeable, right? Two some people like two more, some people like four more. Um, I kind of like one the most just because it was like the first to set that
1: it's so awesome yeah
2: yeah it's it like it was the first 45 minute match that i saw that was just like it was over in a blink you know you like i wanted more you know like they could have gone longer but everything was you know it had a little bit of everything it was perfectly paced it had the crazy spots but also they sold it for like minutes at a time it was you know it was just a great match and i think it you know it really stands up and it will continue to stand up um but yeah i mean that's that's a hard that's that's a hard thing to say like that's my absolute favorite but i think so i mean i also like a lot of okada matches you know I like right. okada versus osprey from g129 okada versus ishii from g126 uh, that, that match is awesome um uh, I, but and like i said i love that in the early 90s that, that junior era uh, like versus sasuke from super j cup 94 semifinals is like always stands out it always looms large in my memory because it was a. Uh, Like, once you know the backstory of Liger puts this tournament together, you know, like you would think, well, he's the booker. Why wouldn't he put himself over? But he didn't, you know, he eliminated himself in the semifinals to put Sasuke over. Like, that shows, like, how unselfish he always was. And and it's a great match, too. And, like, the ending is, like, I love the ending. The ending is, like, uh, you know, when Sasuke slips off the rope and Liger kind of gives him a little clap and, like, whoop-de-doo, good job. Like, it's, like, just perfectly covered. Sasuke pops up, gives him the Rana, Done in like 20 minutes. So it's, it's a great little match.
0: Nice. Also, I'm glad too that you mentioned Omega Okada 1 because I do feel like that one does kind of get overlooked for the the last one, of Dominion 2 out of 3 Falls. And also, yeah, the, couldn't have that without the first one. So that's, that's a good shout right there. I,
1: I'm I'm a big... Like for me, I'm the biggest... Uh, if you ask me what I think the best of the series is, I do think it's the finale. But... I don't think that any of the I don't think the second or third match compared to the first match, and I don't care. You know, we got you got your Dominion Truthers out there, the one hour draw, but they're <laughs> fucking wrong. Okay, <laughs> it's all about that first that Wrestle Kingdom match. The best stage. It's got the bet. It's the it's got the craziest bumps. It's the best match they they had until the fourth match, in my opinion. I love that match.
2: Yeah, I, I see the arguments for all those matches, really, because. They all build on one another, right? So right. Kind of, you know, it has that complexity. Each one has a little bit more complexity in the callbacks that the previous one didn't. But yeah, I'm with you guys. I, I think the first one is just incredible. And as a standalone thing, just I, it, it's, it's one match that I think, even if you've never watched wrestling, you, you would get into it. Like, because it's not, you know, so absurd. And yeah, it might be pretty long, <laughs> but uh, it's, 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 it's just very easy to read, you know, even for a casual fan.
0: Right. All right. Well, uh, let's uh, transition now. Let's talk about G1 Climax 31. So we had the first two nights this past weekend in Osaka in the Edion Arena. So we'll start off September 18th. We had the the A Block kicking off. We had an attendance of 1,963. Pretty decent crowd here for, you know, the limited capacity and the, the crap cloud era. And Osaka's always been one of the the better arenas during the clap crowd era. So this uh, show opened up with show uh, in a, uh, you know, kind of a prelim match before we got to the block matches. Show defeated uh, Oiwa six minutes and eight seconds. So, you know, here we're we're seeing show, um, you know, get used to the new gimmick, uh, you know, being a part of the house of torture, kind of working some stuff out. Uh, trying to get over that, that new submission, the snake bite, he's calling it. Um, uh what do you think about uh, show here?
2: I think he's getting comfortable. I think he still has a little bit to go, right? Like uh, Imp said last week, he's got the face thing going on. He's got <laughs> crazy eyes, right? He's a crazy eyes killer. Um, but, I mean, overall, I mean, think this is a good use for show, right? Not necessarily House of Torture, I mean, because, you know, that's the one faction named by the fans, I think. Uh, <laughs> it's, uh, you know, like I could do without that part, but as far as him being a heel, if I had to choose between him as a heel or a face, I think this is probably more natural. It's hard to say, right? Um, but I think so. Like, I think that he'll grow into it. Um, so, I mean, I, I thought, you know, this match was what it was. It was a squash, right? An extended squash. It, was, yeah. it wasn't that long. Um, Which
1: submission is the snake bite?
0: It's a go-go plata.
1: Okay, did he use that in the match with Yo? I don't recall.
0: I don't remember that. I don't think he did. Okay,
1: so there's something new that he's doing, and he's doing a go-go plot basically. Is he altering it in any way, or is it just a straight-up go-go?
2: I I think it's a go-go. I I really didn't examine it too closely, but nothing looked amiss, you know? Not like when I I saw the money clip, and I was like, what is that?
1: (laughs) Okay, gotcha. Yeah, I wasn't sure if it was like uh, when Undertaker did the Hell's Gates and he kind of modified it a bit.
2: What was his modification on that?
1: I uh, I don't think he really. He didn't got throw the it.
2: leg over the head, right?
1: Like no, he just threw it over the back, and then he would pull down on the head, basically.
2: Yeah,
0: I think his is tighter than that, show. Yeah, show definitely look looks better than the Hell's Gate. So yeah, so show. That, Cheryl...
1: That's an interesting move. I mean, um, is he putting himself in a pinning predicament when he's in it? Because I mean, that's been the one kind of knock on it is usually your going on your back, going to your shoulders, basically.
0: Well, I feel like Oiwa flattened out more. Um, and so, mm. sh- so show was a little bit angled. And I don't think his back was completely. I think he's, he's kind of arched. So,
1: but yeah. Sho. It'll be interesting to see, like, how they work that when guys are trying to fight out of it in the future.
0: Right, whether they count as a pin or not.
1: Or even just, like, at, with them struggling, if that puts him in a precarious position, you know? How long can he actually hold it without the referee noticing you know that was the problem when Brock Lesnar used to put people in the uh the Kimura he was always pinning himself right and they never and they never counted it
0: yeah I thought Joe looked good here like I said he's he's trying some stuff he's trying this you know the go-go plata he's doing the whole thing where he slaps his opponents to the count with the referee when they're on the outside and also just trying to work up the the aggressive here We uh, we have a question here from a Reddit user I believe this chalk to lock the show going to be wrestling in the pre-show every day? And no, he's not. Um, it's just throughout the tour, he'll have some pre-show matches. And also asked, do you guys see House of Torture splitting from Bullet Club over World Tag League?
1: They want this They want this breakup quick, huh? <laughs>
0: <laughs> Get this stink off me. Get this guy away from Bullet Club. <clears throat> yeah, I mean... It's possible. I mean, there has been also you, you haven't really seen the House of Torture interact with the other Bull Club guys. They are mentioning it in the, in the ring announcement saying, you know, these guys are a part of House of Torture. Um, so, yeah, I, I do think there might be I don't know if it's going to have a Tag League. Maybe it's in the, in the bill to the dome. But I do. I wouldn't be surprised if there was some kind of split here.
1: Yeah, I, my whole thing is I don't know how quickly they're going to do that um probably some of it's going to be dependent on external circumstances with the pandemic and travel provisions and everything because you you gotta imagine that you know the, the whole aim and goal is to eventually do evil and jay white at some point i would assume um so that's probably the biggest thing is like when is that even feasible you know right
0: Well, uh, let's move on to the next matchup here. So this was the first uh, block matchup of the night for the A block. We had, speaking of House of Torture, one of their members, Yujiro Takahashi. We got the return of Peter uh, accompanying Yujiro down to the ring, uh, you know, just making for a great atmosphere for this matchup.
2: (laughs) Was she there? I I, I didn't even notice. (laughs) I don't notice these things. I'll take your word for it.
1: (laughs) Well, Spin is pure <laughs> Danny, pure of heart. <laughs>
0: That's me, but uh, you know, we had our, our first big upset here. Yujiro Takahashi defeats Kota Abushi 11 minutes 31 seconds with the big juice that elevated uh DDT, you know, execution type maneuver lays out Kota Abushi, gets two points up on the board. This was a you know, a very winnable match for Abushi. Of two points down the drain here for him. You know, Danny, what do you think about this?
2: Obviously shock finish elevates it a little bit. Uh U-Giro didn't look bad during the match, but he also, you know, he wasn't doing anything special, but he was solid, you know, he was he's uh he can be solid, like we've seen that, right? Like his he's not what he was once, but he's still a good hand. And I thought the match was fine up until the ending, and then that's it up a little a bit, you know. Quarter star, a half star, whatever you, whatever you, whatever you want. Um, uh, but yeah, I mean, I thought it was. Uh, I thought it was the right thing to do too, in terms of, like, we already have the Yano spoiler, who's like he can beat anyone at any time. Yujiro, you know, he has to serve some kind of purpose there, right? He can't just be cannon fodder. He can't be the bushwhacker who gets into the Royal Rumble and you know just walks the <laughs> ring and gets tossed, right? It, like we, like, there's no point in having guys like that, like, to a true filler. So at least this plants a seed that he can, you know, pull an upset. Was it, you know, it was pretty clean too. He, he did the low blow, but that's not like egregious. He didn't, you know, go full evil or anything on it. Um, so yeah, I, th- I thought it was the right thing to do, you know, and, and it probably bodes well for Ibushi, right? Because when you start off cold, there's a tendency, it's a tendency to get hot correct stretch, right and the, and the opposite is true too right if you right. start out really hot you're gonna fall off and you're gonna end up at 50 50 so I, I thought that both well for ibushi's uh, chances
1: and me and jeremy were talking the other day and I, I was unspoiled but he'd already seen this match and i was like you know Yujiro might beat ibushi and i was like i know it's crazy but i was like ibushi you know was coming off of three finals Two, two g1 wins back to back to back and i was like they kind of need something like a, a little bit of a story like what if he goes cold for the first few nights and like jeremy kind of like looked at me and
0: i <laughs> <laughs> uh, didn't, didn't want to spoil you i was like damn he, he's right um <laughs> uh, but yeah but I mean- but, I,
1: but i mean you know this is really um progression for you character if you think about it last year he was that cannon fodder that you talked about danny i mean the, the guy only picked up two points, and I, I don't remember who did he beat? Jeff Cobb, I think.
0: Yeah, Jeff Cobb last but night.
1: Yeah, and Jeff Cobb wasn't Jeff Cobb that we know today. So it <laughs> wasn't quite the same thing. Um, and, you know, you also think about Ibushi, and it's like he's coming off of injury and then the big loss to Tanahashi in you know in a match that he only wrestled for 17 minutes, which also maybe speaks to his health. So maybe it's a, a little bit of uh, art imitating life, you know? But, uh, I mean, that's a shocking win, like, huge. I mean, that's got to be one of the, like, most surprising, like, uh, upsets in G1 in the past, like, four or five years.
0: Yeah, huge upset. You know, the Osaka crowd, they let out an audible gasp, even you know, they're not supposed to. And I think it shocked everybody. You know, you're, you're watching the match, you're like, all right, this is fine. You're waiting for Abushi to just hit the Kamigoye and get it over with. <laughs> and, and, you know, and then the, the low blow comes and he hits the uh, the pimp juice and he kicks out. He's like, all right. He kicked out. He's going to come back. He's going to you know, hit a V-trigger, hit a Kamagoye, and then Udrow picks him up, hits the big juice, and pins him.
1: <laughs> this, this is a new move for him too, right? Yeah. Because I don't recall him ever, uh, you know, stealing John Moxley's finisher before.
2: <laughs> oh, you mean Gangrel's finisher. Yeah, it's, it's <laughs> yeah, paler <Gingrell's> DDT. <laughs> yeah, no, my man broke out a... Uh, super finisher he's like this is my burning hammer (laughs) hold this burning hammer and that was it
0: yeah one two three usual picks up uh two valuable points here we had a question from reddit user boots and burns is huge huge about to go undefeated in the g1 and become double iwgp world heavyweight champion at wrestle kingdom now that he has the big juice
1: Obviously, I don't even know why that's a, like that's so obvious. So let's move on.
0: So we're, we're strapping the rocket to the huge, huge, huge.
2: Got to get this blue chip over. Blue yeah. chip over. The blue Gotta. chipper. This hot <laughs> young prospect, Ujiro.
0: Oh uh, yeah. So you know, obviously that was the first big upset. A lot of a lot of uh, pickums uh, going up in smoke uh, on on that match. So we move on to the next match. Up hottest here.
1: hottest new prospects. Bond breaker. And Yujiro Tagahashi.
0: <laughs> Yujiro should uh, win Rookie of the Year in the Observer Awards. <laughs> uh, so, the next matchup, we have uh, speaking of the Observer, Dave Meltzer's favorite wrestler, the great Okan. He defeated Tangaloa, who was with Jado, 17 minutes and 45 seconds.
2: He sure did. <laughs> um, this was. Uh... <laughs> I don't know. It was pretty mid, I thought. I mean, I thought O'Connor did good work, right, in terms of, you know, it's heel versus heel, but he picked up the slack and was more of the face because, obviously, Jato's there with Tanga Loa, so they're not going to be the faces.
0: So O'Connell
2: was playing to the crowd a little bit here and there. Um, but overall, I mean, this was nothing special. I mean, Loa wasn't... I don't really have high expectations for him here, but um, you know, he didn't, like... Cracked the bed or anything? It was just kind of there. I mean, I, I I can't remember a single, you know, notable spot or anything like that. Oh, Loa came out with the face paint. That was notable. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> there you go. I, I misspoke. I tell a lie. He had the face paint on.
0: Yeah, big big match, Loa.
1: Is, uh, <laughs> there you go. Is Ocon wearing the big match gear for every night, or is he you know mixing it up with the trunk sometimes? You well know, oh, yeah
2: the the pants.
1: sabu pants on. <laughs> sabu pants so i mean um you know this these are two guys it's their very first time ever in the g1 for both of them um i mean i think some people have been critical of both of their work in the past you know other times we've praised it i mean what were your guys feeling as far as like a first time g1 matchup for both of them
0: well, like Danny said, you know, it, it was a, a fine matchup. I mean, I, th- I thought it was good for what it was. Also, you know, third matchup of the night. I think both these guys are going to be guys to keep your eyes on us, guys who are going to kind of have sneaky, good tournaments. We've been high on Ocon and Tangaloa in the past year. Um, but, you know, also it is weird to have that heel versus heel dynamic, and you have to mix in, you know, Jado getting involved, and then, you know, Tangaloa does kind of do the – the Roman Reigns, I'm gonna give a little speech sometimes in the middle of the match and call him the great who you're the great who <laughs> uh, but I thought they had a lot, a lot of fire towards the end there's a lot of cool power moves between both guys um, yeah, Ocon gets a win with the, uh, the Eliminator
2: that was kind of sudden, right? The, the finish, if memory serves, the Eliminator I thought it kind of came out of not nowhere, but it wasn't does, like an extended finish does anybody else
1: hate that finisher as much as me? <laughs>
2: Um, it does strain believability. I don't hate it. Hate it like visually, it looks okay. But the idea that you get a claw, dude, <laughs> and then lift him with the face—like it sounds like you would just do damage on the way up if you were strong enough to just pull him up by his face. Right? What,
1: like, like Jason Voorhees, basically? Yeah, that, that, yeah,
2: it does strain believability a little bit. But uh, visually, I've definitely, you know, certainly seen worse. Like, the, I, I, that's not an endorsement.
1: When Lance Archer used to do it. I was like, okay, I'm all about this movie. You know, it makes sense. He's a big guy. But like when it's Ocon, I'm like, I don't know, man. Right. That <laughs> means- no,
2: that, that makes sense. So if Lance Archer's hands are huge, right? They're like huge. This guy is, Ocon is, he's around
0: the same size as Loa, right? Like height wise? Right. I mean, and Loa yeah. is jacked too. So yeah, it definitely kind of makes it hard to believe that, yeah, he's just like grabbing Loa <laughs> and just like slamming him like that. Listen, bro,
1: I've stood next to Tingaloo. I'm bigger than him and I'm not that big.
0: <laughs> so i'm Damn, telling so
1: you like six seven no <laughs> but uh yeah Ocon. i don't know that's that's a big man territory i don't i don't i think he should just like i don't know do something that like relies on his freaking background maybe you know
2: totally yeah no that, that i had that same thought that he should do something that's a little bit more amateur based more like throw suplex based something like that
0: um She's doing, nothing, like,
1: she's doing like
0: lying. a TazPlex or something. <laughs> yeah, she does just, like, just, just drop people on their heads.
1: <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Be a Working Steiner brother. <laughs>
0: <laughs> uh, but yeah, I thought this was, you know, nothing that's going to blow away. I thought it was fine. You know, it's. I think these guys are going to have better matches, and it, it was a fine start for these guys here. Uh, so we move nice. on to the next matchup here. We have Toro Yano defeating Kenta. 11 minutes and 7 seconds and you know people's opinions on this match is, is, it's going to differ on whether you like the Yano com- comedy or not Danny I saw you, you put it, putting it your hand on <laughs> your head <laughs> I saw
1: people I saw people like praising the beginning of this match I, I don't know exactly what happened but you know I'm assuming shenanigans were afoot
2: oh were they um, <laughs> yes I, I, I'll preface this by saying I, I love me some Yano you know, I, I think Yano's hilarious, right? But in small doses. And I and this was eleven minutes of just, like you said, shenanigans, or as my niece would say, shenanigans. Just <laughs> the whole eleven. It was just all tape based, like this roll of tape. And he was just they just kept going back to that. And he was just so much of it. I, I really don't even I can't even rate it like as a match, because it was like barely a match to me.
0: Right. Like, I, okay. They, they,
2: this is like comedy segment, you know. <laughs>
1: I don't know, Danny. The official record books say 11 minutes and 70 seconds. Oh, man. And you feel every
2: one of those 11 minutes. (laughs) I I did. I was like, oh, man. Hey, I'll tell you this. If I I wasn't coming on the podcast this week, I would have skipped this. Or I would have fast forwarded it or played it at double speed something. But instead, I sat there, I did my due diligence, (laughs) I did my homework, and I watched every minute of this. I took notes um and i hate myself for it
1: <laughs> In a strong style punishing danny
2: <laughs> but yeah it was and and the, and the finish too was kind of sloppy and that that was supposed to be an inside cradle but it was just like let's fall together let's tumble like lovers and then yeah it was just not great
0: it was, yeah it was... <laughs> this, was, this was straight up comedy from the get-go you know the referees checking both guys yano has you know tape <laughs> hidden kenta has tape hidden um, like you mentioned, Dane, the story of the match was a tape and it's all based off of last year's G1 match and um, they, they repeat the spot where Kenta, you know, gets Yano up on the stage and ties him um, to, to the um, the gimmick there, the, the scaffolding thing and then Yano has to run back in and he gets back in and uh, yeah, then you mentioned he gets, you know, Kenta taped back up and gets him, he was supposed to kind of cradle him up with this, kind of like fell on each other and. Yeah. <laughs> Yano outsmarted Kenta, uh got the pin and you know again, you know, we're talking about Abushi throwing away two easy points. Uh I think that was, you know, some easy points there for Kenta as well. Uh so starting off uh Cole just like uh, Ibushi here. But yeah, this is straight up uh, eleven minutes of a comedy match. You know, I went two stars flat on it. Um, it i it, it there was I did laugh at some points, but overall, like it, it wasn't really much of a match. <laughs>
2: Yeah, it was the same, it, To me it was the same note over and over Like I got it, the tape. it's funny Because that's what he does yeah. Um, But yeah, uh, anyway
0: But then uh, business really picked up here With the semi-main event Of the evening We had the submission master Zach Sabre Jr. Defeating Tetsuya Naito 27 minutes And 5 seconds And I'll see what we'll talk about The news about Naito here in a second But uh, let's talk about this matchup
2: yeah. You said it. Business definitely picked up. This was, uh, I, I and I haven't been as high on Naito versus Sabre as other people. Like I've enjoyed their matches, but I haven't liked them as much as other people have. I thought this was the best of the series. Like, uh, for my money, I, I, I enjoyed it the most. I thought, you know, Zach looked great. Like physically he looks great. Like he, this is the best shape he's ever been in, which, uh, you know, I'm not a body guy or whatever. And, I, not to body shame anybody, but I think it's important that like at this level he have that physical credibility. Um and he has it now. And he has it and he's putting it to good use too because he's doing suplexes out there. He's changing it up. He's he's doing some different offense. I thought he uh I thought he really shined here. Like he just he carried this match in 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 certain ways. Um Naito's, you know, mobility is he you know, he can go in short bursts now. You know, he I mean he can still go period, but uh it's um He's obviously not what he once was physically, and I feel like CSJ really made up for for anything that might have been lacking with Naito, especially knowing now that he hurt his knee for real in the match. I, try, I rewatched the match to try to find where that might have happened. I, I couldn't see an exact moment. Um, well, yeah. well, this
1: man's been like, you know, walking around for years now with like literally layers and layers of tape and athletic, you know, padding. I mean, one one wrong mis misstep, like in the wrong direction was enough to like do his knees in at this point. Like he could have literally just like done a forward roll and like, Oh God, my knees. <laughs> yeah.
2: yeah. That, that might, that certainly could have been the case, but I thought they had a lot of great spots. Good, like, good action. I didn't, there were no lulls really. Um, they just kept moving even with the submission based. Um, but yeah, I, I thought it was a really, really good match. Uh, there's a lot of moments that I really liked, uh, power bomb off the top by Zach, the DDT out of the shin breaker by Naito. Um, it's what oh uh, the counter uh into the what is it the valencia the the zach uh, driver counter yeah mm. into the valencia uh yeah it's just a really really good match and uh, i like i said i thought it was the best in the series
0: yeah i really enjoyed this matchup it was one of my favorites of the weekend i went, I went four and a quarter on it like you mentioned they there's a lot of great also these guys are wrestling each other so much times now there's a lot of great counters out of their big moves um Great near fall with Saber doing the European clutch, which he normally wins. I thought he he was going to win there, uh, but Naito uh, kicked out there. Like you mentioned, he's working over the knees um, the whole match. So, you know, also I'm thinking you know Naito selling. Like you guys mentioned, his knees have been taped up for years. You know, the recommended match uh, that Chris picked last yeah. week mm-hmm. was from you know G1, um, the finals against Tanahashi, and his knees were tight, taped up back then. Um, so I didn't think of anything of it, and then also we, we got this uh, this news here of, of Naito being actually injured. Uh, but yeah, that was the focus of, of Saber, and he got him in his uh, you know new submission. The yes, I am a long way from home. Uh, had him uh, <laughs> tied up there and uh, focused on the knee, and Naito he was in the middle of the ring, couldn't move, uh, tapped out. So Saber gets you know the big submission victory here. Uh they teased the the 30 minute time limit draw. Uh, they went 27 minutes, you know, getting down only three minutes left. Um, and, you know, people you know they're wondering, could Naito hold on for three minutes, but he couldn't and legit, I don't think he could have with the, with the pressure that was probably on his knee.
1: yeah, this was another one that when we were kind of when I was doing my predictions predictions with Jeremy, I was like, yeah, you know, I was like, yeah, I mean Naito was the champion last year, he got the better of this guy in the tournament. I was like, they're probably going probably gonna to go with Zach here, you know. Um, but these guys always blow it away every single time they're together. In fact, I I might even be as bold to say, I think that Zach Sabre Jr. might be my favorite regular Naito opponent. Because, um, I mean, they just never miss, really. So, um, looking forward to actually going back. Maybe, maybe since we're doing the review now, I can kind of cherry pick some of this stuff. I don't have to watch the... Uh, The Yano match. (laughs) But uh, definitely looking forward to this one. But, yeah, it is unfortunate, you know, the outcome, you know, post-match.
0: Yeah, and real quick before that, there was a question I forgot to grab from the Discord from PR. He says, Zach Sabre Jr. now has big muscles, which we know always leads to titles. So, Zach Sabre Jr. and singles title in the near future, please discuss.
2: He's not wrong um I, I i don't think that's a reason they would choose to push uh zach um but certainly they, they, he's the kind of guy they can pull the trigger on anytime right they they he's credible enough that they could put him into the main event program at any point if they want to take him out of tags and he would be totally fine uh, you know, certainly his performances would be up to, up to stuff, but he also it wouldn't be weird in the eyes of the fans either i don't think uh, i like i said i'm glad that he looks better he looks physically stronger just again, it just gives him a little bit more credibility so that when he's moving guys around it looks right it it makes sense
0: right um you know as far as you know a push for a singles title i mean uh, he still is one half of the tag champs with tai Chi as Dangerous Techers, so he's kind of in the tag mix for, for right now, and he probably will be going into dome season. But I do think, you know, next year for the 50th year, you want to push some new guys, do some new title matches. I do think once they drop the belts, uh, Sabre is a guy that would be interesting to get in a singles mix. mix. You do have the U.S. title back. You, you could have him. You know, him and Tanahashi have a, a history. You could have Sabre get the belt from Tanahashi at some point. He could be the U.S. champ. Somebody that can fly over here to the U.S. as well. Um, so there's a lot, a lot of possibilities that you could do with Sabre. I would love to see him challenge for the world title. Um, he, I think he would be a great opponent for Shingo. And if, you know, Osprey ends up becoming Undisputed Champion, we all know him and Osprey have amazing matches together.
1: And remember, pre-pandemic, they were gearing up for a singles title challenge between himself and uh, John Moxley. And I think, right. you know, the Dangerous sectors were still kind of going hot and heavy at that time. You know, so... It wasn't like it was one or the other. He was still kind of able to cohabitate both the singles and a tag team role. But, you know, the thing with Zach was when he won that um, New Japan Cup a couple of years ago and he ran through, you know, all those top guys, they really established him as this credible force in the company. And he's, he hasn't really ever kind of gotten back to that form. And what, what year was that? 2018, 2019? Yeah, it's 20,
0: 2018.
1: Yeah, so we're talking like four years going on. I wouldn't be, you know, opposed to him really getting a strong push, especially with Naito being out of the tournament, him being so favored, and, you know, the fact that he's the guy that put him on the shelf. Maybe you could, uh, you know, kind of take this opportunity. And I'm not saying he needs to win the block or anything, but, you know, maybe you could really push him because he seems to go pretty middle of the road in these G1s for some reason.
0: Yeah. And with the news that we're going to talk about of Naito, I mean, this could, this could be an opportunity for uh, Zach Saber Jr. to win the block. Uh, so we, we got the news this early this morning uh, from NJPW1972.com it says during his G1 a G1 Climax 31 opening match on September 18th in Osaka, Tetsuya Naito suffered an injury to his left knee. Damage was incurred to his left meniscus and MCL. Naito is unable to compete on the remainder of the G1 Climax Tour and does not currently have a timetable for return. All remaining tournament matches will be counted as losses via forfeit with opponents gaining an automatic two points. Naito's remaining opponents will instead be competing in special singles matches with card changes outlined below. We apologize to fans who are looking forward to seeing Naito wrestle. We appreciate your understanding and support and wish Naito the best in his recovery so some some tough news here for the Lij fans. Tough news for people who picked Naito to win the block or the tournament in our our pick 'em contest, and just some tough news for Naito and his career uh, going forward. Um, and we had lots of questions here on the Naito knee injury. Uh, so first, from to user chalk chalk to lock, how do you see Naito's knee injury kayfabe, affecting him moving forward?
2: Well, I think he asked that right before he was actually legit hurt, right? So he like assuming that it would have been part of the story, the damage that Zach had done. You know, he would have that would have played out throughout the tournament. But right now that's doesn't really apply anymore.
0: Yeah, I mean that was a crazy thing. Cause, like the commentary, like after the match, was like, "Yeah, you know, Zach really, going on his knees. This could be the <laughs> this could be the end of Naito's tournament," and it was. Well...
1: <laughs> you know they they're, they're always just going off of what what's given to them. They don't know, you know, what's what's a work what's not. They just call it all like a shoot. So, you know, it's pretty appropriate.
0: <laughs> yeah, and yeah, just got kind, of, kind of crazy news to to wake up to you this morning.
1: Yeah, very unfortunate. Um, next question from Viking Pain. He asked it turns out Naito's knee injury was legit after all. And he will be missing the remainder of the G1. Do you guys have any idea how it happened? How big of an injury is it? Is it a sprain, a dislocation, a tear? How long will he be gone?
2: Yeah, uh, like I said, I tried to go back and look at it. He looked like he was pretty okay the whole time until that double stop. I don't want to blame Zach for it if he didn't do it. uh, But it might have just been a misstep, uh, literally. Uh, After that double stop, when he goes to do the satellite DDT of a little while later, you can see that he kind of stumbles a little bit. His leg uh, doesn't look like it's completely under him. I don't know if that was him selling or if that was it happening. He, he's such a good seller that you literally cannot tell. Um, but yeah, I, I think uh, uh, it's a shame that he's he's going to be out for the whole G one. And the fact that they said that they don't know that it's uh, undetermined amount of time that's uh, that's a little concerning, right?
0: Yeah, and like you said, Danny, like, you know, watching the match, I, I thought Naito was just selling. I mean, we, we've seen him. There was a match earlier this year where somebody like rolled into his leg, and that, that looked pretty bad. He ended up being fine. So I'm like, well, the story of the match is Zach is working over his leg. And, yeah, that, that double stomp to the knee was pretty nasty. But, again, I thought he was selling. He locks him up. He's, he's working some mission holes on it. You know, he has him tied up there at the end. Uh, and I'm like, oh, yeah, you know, Naito's selling. This is going to be the story of his G1. He's going to have to struggle through the, these knee, knee injuries until he can get to the hopefully get to the finals. Um,
1: and, and that's a pretty good story provided it's just a story. Right.
0: <laughs> he shows up,
2: yeah. There was uh, a, a one, oh sorry, go ahead Josh.
1: No, you go, ahead. I was just going to ask the next question, so go ahead. Oh.
2: No, there was one other moment where I thought maybe I had contributed to the injury because I know that for a shoot like, it's very hard to take even when you're ready for it like the scissor takedown even when that's something that you're just drilling and you can your knee go sideways pretty easy on that. I thought maybe that was it. That's, that's the kind of move that I like, wouldn't even practice on people at a certain point. Like, I just think it's so risky to do that. It's not worth doing. And, uh, Zach, Zach did it well, but I thought that maybe that was when his knee turned a little bit sideways.
1: Hmm um Naito was a heavy favorite by a lot of people to get to the finals now with his injury do you think uh someone well who do you think's coming out of the finals of the a block me personally I think Shingo Tsukagi becomes the first champion to get to the finals now I will have you know this is incorrect we've actually had two champions win the g1 in the past not just become finalists but uh Muto as well as um who was power warrior Kensuke Suzuki. Kensuke Suzuki. Mm-hmm. Um, I actually don't know how many other champions have ever made it to the finals. Uh, that's a good question. I'm not sure about that, but I know that there have been in the past. But who do you guys uh, think is going to take a block now?
0: Yeah, that's hard. And, you know, obviously, you know, as Chris and I talked about a couple of weeks ago, you know, it, it could be kind of cool if you do the whole, you know, Shingo gets to the finals, kind of prove he's a real world champion and maybe even win the G1 But the hard thing is with Shingo winning the block, then he's facing somebody from the B block, and let's say he loses, then that's going to be a title match at the Dome. And we know typically they don't do matches that they're going to do at the Dome. I know it's very different in this pandemic era, and they have done that, especially with the double uh, Dome Dash. And I know we're going to have, you know, three Wrestle Kingdoms this year, but I I think it would be a smart move to do one of your Dome main events as the, the finals main event again. And let's say it's like Shingo Okada. I don't think that they should do that. They should save that if that's going to be the actual one of the, the dome matches. Um, so, I mean, I, I think Sabre could be uh, an interesting option to, to come out of the A block, especially if the winner is coming out of the B block. You, you Sabre can be in the finals and lose. That's no big deal. Uh, I think the other favorite would probably be Kota Ibushi, um, a guy that's been in the finals multiple times now, uh, multiple-time winner. He's starting off cold, like you mentioned, Danny. But he could finish hot, and that he could end up being a guy going into finals again.
1: I think there's a little stone pit bull that you guys might be discounting right now. I
2: don't know. <laughs> yeah, I could see that. I could see that winning the <laughs> block, at least winning the block for sure. Uh, probably not the whole thing. Yeah, no, I think there's. You can
1: win the whole thing. Oh, okay. You <laughs> <All> right? <laughs>
2: You're right. Um, yeah i mean i think in a block it's easier to say just who's definitely not winning right otherwise it's kind of like eh, i don't know like like before naito was injured i would have said sabre's probably not in the running for that but now i could totally see that like yeah this is how these things happen right somebody gets injured somebody else takes their spot this is their moment to shine and they you know they make the most of it uh, so we like we know like great okan uh, oh, Yuji- Oh, what are we saying? Yujiro's winning the whole thing. We big, already big, established huge. that. Why are we talking about this?
1: <laughs> huge, huge.
2: <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I, I mean, I guess I would be Ibushi, right? Just, like, I think that's the most logical. The Takagi is not really an option to me because of the reasons you said, Jeremy. Um, but yeah, I can see Ibushi, Ishii winning the block, and uh, now Sabre, whereas before I probably wouldn't have said that.
1: They, they might go Ishingo just because they got three G1 nights. All bets are out the window, so... Or I'm yeah. sorry, three uh three Wrestle Kingdom nights, so it's really hard to say. Um, I think and uh, is that uh, three Wrestle
2: Kingdoms plus Dash? Have they
1: um, so, revealed
2: that or not yet? So, so what,
1: we have heard the rumor that there will be a Dash. We wow. don't have that verified, but that's just kind of what we've heard. That's the scuttlebutt. Wow.
0: So if if there's going to be a New Year's Dash, that that means a lot of big things are going to be happening on that that third show. Some people might be coming into the country. Uh, but if there's no new year's dash, then they might just have to work around some stuff. But why do I feel like
2: you guys are holding out?
0: (laughs) No,
1: no, no, we're not. That's literally what, literally what we just told you is what we heard. There Mm -hmm. is talks that there might be a dash in between the, the real Wrestle Kingdom and the fake Wrestle Kingdom. (laughs) (laughs) Um. Uh, Last part of his question, he said, "Am I crazy to think that this knee injury will actually do some good for Naito in the long run?" Yes, I know he's one of New Japan's biggest stars and they need him, but Naito's body's really beaten up too, and he uh, could use the time off.
0: I don't know. I, I mean, <laughs> dude, maybe if it was like a torn bicep or or you know or something like that, or a torn don't, pec.
1: Don't you feel like this man's had time off like in the very recent past, and like it didn't do him that much good?
2: Yeah. Yeah, There's there's something to be said for inertia, right? Like, that he keeps moving, he keeps working. You know, like, I wonder what happens if he's forced to take a long time off if he'll ever rebound again. He's not a young guy, and he is, you know, like I said, pretty jacked up.
0: Remember
1: all all those people that were freaking out when they uh, decided to go with Okada over him?
0: (laughs) Yeah. Uh,
1: maybe maybe the bookers knew a little bit something about the health of Tetsuya Naito because I mean this man's been broken down for a few years now uh and I'm not saying that I know it's funny but like honestly uh I I I don't ever think that someone having a serious knee injury is ever good for them in the long or the short run like at all so hopefully he gets better but uh yeah it's not good news
0: yeah it's gonna be tough a lot of people when they have knee injuries don't come back a hundred percent themselves they maybe can't do a lot of things they they did in the past
1: dude and if it's a tear if you have to have surgery and then the rehab and sometimes the you know if you like like let's say if you have to have like a cadaver like ligament or something put in there it doesn't take i mean that it it, especially his age uh no i don't think it's good honestly at all i mean it might do some good to the rest of his overall health but for his knees i mean that's not good
2: yeah, agreed. Agreed. I always think back to like, uh, as far as knee injuries go, the one that stands out the most in my mind is Rey Mysterio, right? Mm. Because Rey Mysterio pre injury, knee injury, and post knee injury are very different wrestlers. You know, like even he, I mean, he's still great regardless. Doesn't matter. I'm not. Don't don't at me, please. Sorry, <laughs> Ray stands. Relax. <laughs> okay. Stand down. Um, but pre knee injury, he's a revelation, right? And right. Then after that, he's never quite the same. He's not doing the same exact things he used to do. He's smart. He's like Liger, right? In that he adjusted his offense and changed his style to compensate for his changing, you know, ability. But he is different, you know. And at this point, you know, what kind of transition would Naito have to make at this age uh, to a slower style? Like, you know, that would be
0: strange.
1: Didn't Naito? Uh, Jeremy, if you recall, and maybe you remember, Danny, in the in the road to uh, new beginning, didn't he have something where it looked like his knee was like literally fucked, and then he still ended up wrestling Ibushi, and we didn't know how at the time.
0: Right, like somebody had like rolled into his knee. I forgot who That's he was wrestling. Right. but he, I think it was Nagata. Yes, yeah, Nagata did one of his like the roll kick things to his.
1: Nagata rolled into his knee, or someone did, and it looked. So bad, and we were like speculating about like, yo, he's gonna be out for eight months, nine months, blah, blah blah. And then somehow he got cleared, and somehow he still wrestled. But I'm, I don't know. I'm, I'm still wondering like if, you know, because now here we are. It's not that it's just further down in the year, and he's out with the knee injury. And I remember how horrific that looked. So I don't know.
2: Yeah, yeah I think he just put another roll of tape on his <laughs> knee, and said, so "Let's do this." So the question is, can he get another roll <laughs> under that
1: knee pad? <laughs> Um, next question from a Rambone slam pig he asked us uh, with news of Naito's injury surfacing I will re-ask an old question did Gato wish on a cursed monkey paw because this is getting crazy feel feel free to incinerate my G1 bracket <laughs>
0: <laughs> well I think yeah a lot of people's G1 brackets are, are up in smoke now I mean I had Naito winning the A block so I don't see myself you know surviving in, in our contest uh, much longer but yeah, I don't think uh, Gato put a curse on him, but definitely uh, some bad luck here for Naito. Uh,
1: last couple of questions from One 101 He said, any thoughts on the knee injury of Tetsuya Naito? Uh, I feel like we've covered that, but he asked, how do you think it will affect the rest of the G1 and beyond G1? Where does New Japan go from here? And I think the interesting question is, you know, how does this affect the booking
0: of the G1 specifically? Right, especially if Naito was somebody that was – to win then definitely they're scrambling and we, we've heard of and, and
1: even if and even if he wasn't he was definitely going to get what 10
0: 12 points
1: 12 probably
0: right and we've heard like for COVID you know they have you know backup plans in case somebody gets COVID but you know also now they have to have a backup plan for injuries as well um, so maybe they're we're kind of already prepared in case somebody went down with COVID but it's definitely going to be a lot of shifting around I mean where do they go from here I mean after G1 and after Super Juniors and Tag League, we, we have Road Tokyo Dome. We have three dome, or I guess two domes, and then Yokohama, you know, three big main events that you got to fill, and you got to imagine that Naito would be featured heavily on all three of those shows, or a couple of those shows. Um, and so I don't know, you know, if they have, they're going to have a hard time filling that spot or where they go from there.
1: I'm guessing right now that's probably their, their biggest hope is that he gets healthy in time for dome season at least because that that's going to, you know, affect their bottom line. And, you know, I'm sure he wants to be on the big stage as well. Um, you know, I'm almost kind of wondering, though, about like, OK, like, let's say obviously we just had this situation, right? Naito, big points getter. He's gone. They got to reshift everything this is not necessarily uncommon in the G1. Things like this have happened many times in the past, but with that threat of COVID kind of looming, I know a lot of the guys were, or everyone was vaccinated, but like, what if we get deep into this thing and then someone that, you know, like let's say Zach Saber's going to win and then he has to drop out due to COVID and then it, it, it completely fucks up the uh, point total. what do they do? I mean, this might feel like the first time that the G1, outcomes could actually even be out of the hands of the booker in some cases.
0: Right. I mean, on one point it makes the tournament very unpredictable and a little bit more exciting to watch. Uh, you know, it's sad it it comes because of injury, but now it's like really like I feel like anybody could win in the A block for the most There's a lot of people can kind of come out here of the A block.
1: What do you think, Danny?
2: Yeah, as much as I don't like the briefcase deal, I think this is the situation where it benefits them to have it right because they can always pivot to something else, throw somebody mm-hmm. in there at the last minute, and it gives them that flexibility that right now they really need. Because I doubt they have a contingency for every for all 20 guys. You know, if this guy gets hurt, this is what we're gonna do. <laughs> I think, you know, I think this is where you know Ghetto's medal gets tested. You know, how can he pivot to something else to adjust it, maybe to get to the same, you know, same finish that he was looking for, same outcome with a different route or just create a different route altogether and say we're going to go with somebody else for now and if naito's back and healthy we'll do the briefcase thing and get him in there if not we'll do something else you know i think so, just you, just so you're saying
1: that if ujiro wins the g1 through happenstance <laughs> Then Tanahashi can wrestle him on the next show and win the briefcase. Is what you're saying?
2: That's what I would be pulling for.
0: I hope. We had an interesting, you know, stat from our friend Chris Sampson who said uh, Shinsuke Nakamura was the last wrestler to forfeit a G1 Climax match on July 28, 2015. Nakamura forfeited a match against Still made Elgin, it to the finals. yeah, due to elbow injury, and returned to the tournament after taking one match off, and went on to win his block. So I know some fans are kind of speculating that this could be a a work or that Naito could come back at the the end of the tournament and somehow pull it off. But I mean, that would be cool. I think they've got to sell tickets,
2: though, right? I don't think they would want to advertise Naito as not being on cards.
1: Who knows, who knows with this <laughs> company now? <laughs> yeah. last, last part of his question. With Naito withdrawing from the G1 action, is it possible that New Japan could use this as a storyline to push ZSJ to a higher level? G1 finals appearance since he was Naito's last opponent? Question mark.
0: Yeah, I mean, we, we've seen uh, the meme of uh, I, I kicked uh, Naito's leg out of his leg going around today or <laughs> I, I, I broke Naito's leg uh, T-shirt You know, going around Twitter today. And so, yeah, it could be a great thing to to elevate Zach. Zach can brag. He's the one that put Naito out of the G1. And like we mentioned earlier, it opens the door for a guy like Zach to go to the finals, especially if the winner is not coming out of the A block. He's a great wrestler. He can have a great match with anybody that comes out the B block, and it could be a great opportunity for him. So
1: it looks like um, moving forward, they're going to have a series of special singles matches for those who are getting the free two points due to his um, withdrawal from the tournament. Um, they've kind of given us a, a breakdown here. So September 23rd, uh, night three, we're going to have um, – it says Naito against Tengaloa.
0: Well, that, that, that was the original match. Oh,
1: and... okay, okay. So, the, okay, I'll just read off the changes here. So we're going to be getting Yuji Nagata against Tengaloa on night five. We'll be getting Yuji Nagata against Shingo Takagi. On night seven, we'll be getting Bushi versus Yujiro Takahashi. On night nine, Bushi versus Toriano. Night 11, Hiromu Takahashi against Kenta. That is pretty awesome. <laughs> uh, and then night 13, Hiromu Takahashi against Tomohiro Ishii, a uh, rematch of their very famous New Japan Cup encounter. Yeah. And then. Uh, Night fifteen, Satoshi Kojima against Kota Bushi. Jeremy, I, that's got you written all over oh, it. Oh yeah, Red Club baby. And then uh, night seventeen, Satoshi Kojima versus Great Okan. So um, you know some pretty fitting uh, replacement matches there.
0: Yeah, I mean a lot of these singles matches are, are pretty exciting and are some good additions here. <laughs> yeah, I don't know how Bushi snuck
2: in there, but yeah, otherwise you got <laughs> Nagata, <laughs> Kojima, Hiromo.
1: B- Bushi has a pinfall victory over ZSJ, I will remind you.
2: Oh, that changes everything.
0: <laughs> <laughs> okay. uh, well, uh, now let's talk about the main event of the evening. Perhaps uh, already the, the best match of the whole tournament. Maybe the, the year? Yeah, the dragon. Shingo Takagi defeats the Stone Pitbull Tomohiro Ishii. 27 minutes, 56 seconds. Another tease of the 30-minute draw. Danny, I know you took lots of notes, man. What, what do you think about this big man event?
2: Checks notes. Yeah, it was it was great. <laughs> it was uh, it was really really good match. Um, super hard hitting. I think this is exactly the kind of match that like first time G1 viewers would ju- they would just be blown away by it, right? Because it's so different. It's so completely different than other products. Um, if I had to. Criticize it at all, and I know you brought me on the show to do that, to play that role. So
0: I'm gonna <laughs> criticize it. I'm
2: just gonna say it went on. I thought it went on a little bit too long for what it was. Like, like they're beating just the absolute piss out of each other. I w- I would have liked to see it end a little bit earlier. Um, at a certain point, I felt like it was getting into diminishing returns. That it was just a little bit too repetitive. Um, the end was super super hard hitting. Those headbutts were bananas. Um, but I thought the last headbutt was a little bit hard to read. Like, uh, like, I, like I didn't realize that only Ishii took the, took the brunt of it, that Shingo was fine until he started hooking up the wrist. Yeah. Um, but otherwise, it's just a crazy match. I mean, it's like a few minutes in and people getting power slammed on the floor. <laughs> <It's just> like, <laughs> what is this? Like, this is crazy. Um, yeah, they just, just oh, the, it's some of the strongest. Every, you see it all the time, right? In New Japan, lariats that like just knock people out of their boots. And even when you're used to it, some of these were like, "Oh my god, just end it!" You know, like that lariat is that's that's a finisher anywhere else.
0: Yeah, I just love you know. This was obviously a different pace from the whole rest of the night. You know, before the semi main saber naito was a more kind of technical, methodical like saber breaking down the knee, like you mentioned. Ishi and Shingo, we got we got a never title match here. These guys from the bell ringing. They were going at it with the shoulder blocks, like you mentioned, strong layers, strong chops. You know, Ishi doing the the chops to the throat, and um, great job on Kevin Kelly. You know, they were talking about Ishi when he was a young boy, and in dojos he would get chopped in the throat for not you know cleaning the toilet right or doing whatever duties right in the dojo. So you know, he's he's returning the favor now, and so a, a lot of great back and forth there. Um, I love obviously that the spot where they're exchanging uh, back suplexes over and over, just taking turns. Uh, backsloop, let each other, and also the more they do it, the slower they get up in between each one. And we like said, all time, Ishii is just an incredible selling. You know, the, the bumbling that he was doing, oh, best stagger in the business, yes, like, like it's unbelievable. He gets like his leg goes a little stanky, it's just fantastic. Uh, the one spot that I, I gasped at was when Ishii was going for the super uh brain buster and he dropped Shingo. Uh, luckily, Shingo landed on his back, but that could have. That could have ended Chingos G one. That that was scary. I was like, <gasps> but uh, yeah,
2: and, and then they did the you know what any sane person would do and go right back to it. Yeah.
0: <laughs> they did it again. But, but the good thing was it wasn't like you know the WWE thing where like they mess up a spot and then they immediately go back to it and try and do it. Like they took oh one. no 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 yeah yeah he, she was like I'm
2: getting this I'm getting this you're taking this right yeah, and it looked very uh, deliberate and the crowd was with it. The crowd was all about it when he connected. They you know they, this was a pretty loud clap crowd right like there were some moments here where and that was one of them where they couldn't help they couldn't help but gasp like <gasps> you know i think the first one that i really noticed was the, the esperanza in the in the naito match right yeah, and, yeah. Like, <gasps> and then the and then the clutch in that same match um but yeah and then this brain buster too it was it was bananas
1: so i mean these two guys have had quite a few incredible matches um you know, just two years ago, I think that they won the uh, fight of the year award for our year-end award, so I mean, you know, that just kind of tells you the level of violence. But this match seems to be especially high praised. I mean, are we talking best of their series? I mean, what do we what do you guys think? And where were your ratings wise in this?
0: Uh, personally, I, I went 4.75. I, I didn't go, coward. To, I, I'm a coward, I didn't go the full five. I think as much as I, I like. You know, the recovery of the Slip of the Brain Buster, I think that was the one thing that stopped me from from going uh, the full five. But, I mean, this was violent. um, It was a masterpiece. Uh, Both guys sung incredibly. And I also love, too, that it wasn't the same kind of closing stretch that we get from Shingo where he kind of hits an Oshigami, he hits a pumping bomber, and then he hits the last of the dragon. Like you mentioned, Danny, we had that headbutt exchange, and then, um, Ishii just kind of like slipped Like kind of slipped and Shingo was able to catch him And he's hit the last of the dragon real quick It was kind of a, a desperation last of the dragon And get, get to win
2: Yeah it was a great match I mean I, like the I was picking at nits earlier right uh, I, I, I went four and a half um, And that that's probably low for a lot of people But like I said at a certain point I kind of Wish I had ended a little bit earlier Just because the level of violence Was so high and I was like <laughs> this would make more sense to be done by now. Like they they can't keep getting up like this. Uh, but it's, you know, a minor. I wouldn't argue against 4.75. I, I, it was a great match and they hit super hard. They're, uh, but they also take good care of each other, right? Because those uh those back suplexes look super hard, but they're not dangerous. You know, they're not <laughs> walking each other at really awkward angles or anything. So, uh, you know, I think anybody can appreciate what they did.
0: Yeah, and I think we're going to see a story here with the time limit. So we saw the time limit teased in the Naito Saber match. We saw it teased here in this match. And then we're going to talk about Okada Tanahashi for a second. It was teased there, too. So I think we're going to see more matches for the tournament go to this this teasing of the, the time limit draw. We might actually get a draw at some point. So it's definitely going to be something for everybody to keep your eyes out when we're getting the five minutes, four minutes, three minutes.
2: <laughs> yeah, that's a good point. That's a good point.
0: they the, definitely the, the uh, other setting the table. The yeah. other thing, too, is
1: I could imagine what you're mentioning there, Danny, with it being a little drawn out, especially coming off t- a 27-minute match just prior to it. You know, So you got two really long matches back-to-back there.
2: That's true. That might have influenced my perception of it.
0: Well uh, let's move actually we had a question here from uh Viking Payne it says, Who's the best wrestler in the world and why is it Shingo Takagi? <laughs> um,
1: you know, the funny thing is uh I know he's serious about that, but I mean obviously there's a lot of talent out there that you could always, you know, throw in that mix and conversation, but low key, for like probably fifteen years now, maybe longer, Shingo has secretly been in that mix consistently the whole time. He just was on a smaller platform. People didn't know, but now they're, now they're seeing what, you know, the diehards knew all along.
0: Right. Yeah. I mean, Shingo is just absolutely incredible, definitely one of the best going today. He's a man. Yeah.
1: I'll I'll say this. I, I won't throw any shade, a little shade, slight shade. So we had a podcast on this network, no longer with
0: the network
1: and they were just, uh, they, they know their shit, but they were just not as uh, familiar with uh, New Japan. And when he came out as the secret member for Lij, they're like, "Who is this guy?" <laughs> <laughs> they're like, "Man, they should have brought someone a little more charismatic." This guy doesn't even seem to fit the Lij mode, you know what I'm saying? And I was like, "Oh god, <laughs> like it's probably one of the worst takes on the history of this network."
0: <laughs> yeah, man, don't don't go in the archives for that one, folks. <laughs> Uh, let's move on to uh, night two for the first night of the B block. So again in Osaka, Eddie and Arena, This time a little bit higher of a crowd here, 2,188. So a little bit more of a draw here for the, the dreaded B block that everybody was uh, you know dreading because of, of Evil and Yoshihashi and Chase Owens. Um, some people who are haven't been watching they still think Tai Chi, Tai chi's, you know old Tai Chi. Uh, a lot of people were, were dreading this this B block show and the B block in general. And overall, I thought that this B-Block night um, compared, you know, top to bottom, I thought overall, this night was better than, you know, the first A-Block night, even though obviously Shingo and Ishii is a match of the year candidate, uh, I thought consistency-wise, the B-Block took it this weekend for me.
2: Hmm, I I hadn't actually thought about which show I preferred more. I I guess you're right, too. I I, I guess, yeah, because really there were two high points those last two matches on the on the A show, so yeah, I think I'd probably go with. Uh, I'd probably agree uh, that B block. I rate the show as a whole a little higher. Yeah.
0: Well, speaking of the show, uh, the show opened up with show uh, defeating. Uh, You're welcome.
2: You're <laughs> welcome for that. <laughs> uh,
0: show defeating uh, Fujita, the other new young lion, by referee's decision. Uh, show once again continuing to use trying to get over that that snake bite. Goga Plata it got the ref stoppage one's very similar to the, the Owa match just show just being super aggressive. He uh, killed Fujita here with a series of Germans before he got on the, uh, the go-go plata and uh, got the win here. And yeah. I- and I
2: noticed that, uh, he tried, uh, Fujita tried to, Fujita tried to get a quick start mm-hmm. like OIWA did on the first night, but show wasn't having, it. he just ducked out of the ring, which I thought was pretty, you know, smart little wrinkle to like show that he's an intelligent heel that he learned, uh, from the first match. Uh, but yeah, otherwise it was what it was, right. It was, uh, Again, kind of an extended squash. Well both guys, both young lions, still look great in what they do. What you know, the limited offense they had, they're selling everything. Looks super good, and uh, you know they're exciting prospects. I think they're, they're really, really good and really, really far along.
0: Yeah, it was interesting to see. also you know, they were going against each other, but it's interesting to see them against somebody that show that's very experienced and out of that dojo system. And yeah, like we mentioned in their series, man, these guys, they're 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 awesome at where they're at right now, and so. I know they're going to have some few other matches in this tour, and so looking forward to seeing them uh, continue to progress.
1: Yeah, it's interesting too um, how the first few times that we saw those guys, I was sort of mentioning how the matches that uh, Show had had early on with, like say Kushida, kind of reminded me of what they're doing. So it's sort of a, a good fitting opponent for them, uh, and at the same time, you know, seeing Show in this new phase of his career and this new style of work that he's probably doing. Uh, I did see some gifts. I don't know if it was Oiwa or Fujita, but one of them hit this incredible drop. I mean, they, I know they both do great dropkicks, but one of them just killed Show with the dropkick. And I was like, oh, man, <laughs> I think <laughs> that was Oiwa,
2: actually, because yeah. I wrote it down. I wrote it down dropkick. Uh, yeah, I think that was Oiwa.
0: Yeah, that first night. Yeah.
2: Good. Yeah. He killed Show with that. <laughs> Uh, yeah, so, I don't know what's up with all these young lions doing, you know, Okada-level dropkicks. I don't know why, what's going on in <laughs> that
0: dojo over there. Man, teach they teach them good dropkicks. They're doing something
2: right, man. <laughs> well, yeah, they're doing something right, for they, sure. They
0: drill it all day. They, they play the Okada video 24-7. And they're like, again, do it again. Again, until they get it right. <laughs> uh, well, let's move on to the, the first uh, B-block match of the night. We had everybody's favorite wrestler, Evil defeating Yoshihashi, picking up two points here, 17 minutes and 15 seconds.
2: Uh, yeah, you, <laughs> I think you probably know my thoughts. Uh, I, <laughs> I, uh, I did not like this. I, um, I thought, and it's a shame that I rate this so low. I give this like below two stars probably <laughs> if I had to give it a score. A, 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 a score. Um, but I had a shenanigans count going and I stopped at five. It might have been more than that, but I stopped. There was five distinct uh, interferences by uh, Togo, and it was just—it was just way too much. And Hashi was working actually really, really hard. Like this is the new Yoshi Hashi, and he's really good. You know, he's doing—he looks good out there. He's got a lot of fire. He's doing—he did a pump handle backbreaker that was—you know—looked it was, looked great. Uh, but I just can't rate this because it's just so much interference, so much nonsense. Um, yeah, I just I just cannot watch evil matches. It's the same. It's a shame because I think that evil is better than this. Actually, I, I don't think he's great, but I think he's better than this. And I don't understand what this booking is. I don't understand who insists on having his matches be like that. Like, like why you would? Like, I know it's Dick Togo, but I don't know why you would. Like, are you that enamored with like the like Eat. the cheap <laughs> heat style? It's just cheap heat, you know. Like, it doesn't even seem like the crowd cares, you know. Like, like if like it seems like the crowd. um, if there's such a thing as, like, go away heat with the with New Japan audience, this would have it. Like, it seems like people are just like, ugh, what is this? You know? This is not wrestling.
1: I've seen some pretty negative things about this match, and, you know, if you guys recall, uh, in my opinion, last year during the G1, they actually had one of the better um, evil matches of the whole tournament. Um, that, and then also the match he had with uh, Zack Sabre Jr., which was also surprisingly really good. So, um but yeah the the account that you just gave five different separate you know cases of interference that kind of it's kind of selling me on the idea of maybe uh hitting the old skip button you know what i'm saying
0: yeah you know i i wasn't as low on this match as danny was i I went the the gentleman's uh three here i've actually seen a few uh higher see if people go three and a half on, on this match. Three and a half. We
1: have some buddies that said that they enjoyed the match that they thought it was pretty good. So I mean yeah. I'm a little conflicted here, you know? Here, here's the
0: thing, like you, you can't like punish Yoshihashi for evil. Like, Yoshihashi worked really hard. Um like you mentioned had a, a, a really good performance and like also if evil was wrestling as L I J Evil, this probably would have been a, a three and a half in my eyes, but like you mentioned also there was a lot of interference but i don't think it was overdone it, it wasn't like you know jingu uh overdone where you have togo and everybody running out and, and you know
2: right i wouldn't describe it as overbooked right it yeah. wasn't like a lot of different kinds of things like different weapons diff- it was just togo interjecting himself oh, a bunch of yeah. times you know one time he grabs the leg as the guy's coming off the rope then he's up on the apron then he's up on the apron again then he's sneak attacking you know that he's uh you know there's a bunch of Little instances like that, and yeah, so definitely I've seen worse from Eva. Like, this isn't even close to his most egregious performance by any means, but uh, it might just be the fact that Hashi worked so hard that I'm punishing it this match even more because Hashi deserved better than to have like such a crappy performance on the other side of that. Uh, it just made me mad. Like, like this guy didn't even let me enjoy Hashi, like Hashi at his very best, you know, doing his best. But then you know we got all this nonsense going on. But yeah, um, so maybe I was too harsh. I will, uh, I will admit that. Josh, you want
0: to get the questions? Don't
1: don't, don't don't take it back. Just uh, you know, just ride with it. You know. Oh no, it's already
2: been published. <laughs> I, I, the X rating app you can think of. I put my, uh, I noted my descent there.
1: <laughs> Fit underscore beautiful two six three eight says. And the best part about the G1 is how everyone steps up. Yoshihashi really helped me enjoy that evil match. How do I explain to myself from a year ago that this is indeed real life? <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, I think it really all depends on your opinions on evil, your opinions on Yoshihashi and what you thought about this match. Obviously, uh, a fit beautiful here is probably a little bit higher on the end, maybe towards that three and a half. Uh, and, and, you know, like we said, the evil, he's fine he's He's not a horrible pro wrestler there there are worse pro wrestlers than evil, but when you you have him with this gimmick, you have him with the togoism like that definitely at just drags drags things down more but from a technical standpoint, i mean everything that both guys did was executed well yeah
1: um can't add more to that, so we'll just move on. But uh, yeah, Yoshihashi rules and evil sucks. So, <laughs> uh, Viking Pain asked If the rumors are true that the House of Torture will be broken off from the Bullet Club to be their own faction in the future, thus leading into an evil Jay feud with Jay ultimately turning Babyface in the end, will a Jay White Babyface turn also affect Bullet Club as well? A Babyface slash tweener Bullet Club would inject some freshness into the faction.
0: Yeah, hmm. that, that, that's an interesting uh, question there. Um, I mean, we've kind of seen, also like when the Elite was a part of the Bullet Club, they were kind of that tweener, especially when they did stuff in the U.S. I mean, they were pretty much leaning more babyface. Um, so, so you could go that route. I mean, we saw in Resurgence how Jay White, like, bursting through the curtains was too sweeting everybody. So so maybe that is the direction they're going into, and maybe you're going to have this more babyface-leaning um, Bullet Club going against against the house of torture yeah maybe it's a little breadcrumb what do you think Danny? uh
2: yeah i mean that's certainly possible i thought i'm sure jay could pull it off the only reason i could think of not to want that is because he's such a good heel like and they need heels like just pure heels not like you know, the Suzuki gun heels, which, you know, get cheered a lot and no one wants to boo Suzuki, um, but he's just a pure heel and he's really, really good at it. Um, it would be a shame not to have that, even though I know that he would be good in whatever role, you know, he's so seasoned at this point that he'd be really good as that tweener also. Um, so, yeah, I don't know if that's where they're going. I, I, I think they could certainly do House of Torture versus the rest of Bullet Club and keep them, keep their personalities as they are now, you know, like he. Everyone just cheats. Everyone cheats. Everyone, you know, is a heel. Um, that's a possibility. Well, I don't know if it equals money, but it's certainly possible or they could just, you know, part amicably, right?
0: <laughs> <laughs> so just shake hands yeah. and walk away.
1: <laughs> Th- that's kind of my big question as well. You know, um, I mean, it does to some extent make sense for them to switch uh, eventually and like you mentioned jeremy they kind of were tweeners uh, uh, you know so they've kind of gone through metamorphosis over time but um like danny said they need heels so if they're going to step out someone kind of needs to fill that void And right now the only other true blue heel group that exists is United empire um and i guess the house of torture maybe would be the one that de facto takes over that but uh you know, I don't know. At some point, you got to kind of start consolidating uh, at least one or two of these factions. It, they start to get long in the tooth. So, you know, I'm wondering if Bull Club even is long for this world.
0: Hey, man, as long as those T-shirts keep selling, they're going to be around.
1: <laughs> that's the that's the only thing that makes me reticent to say that. But, you know, um, all good things come to an end, you know?
0: Yeah, I, guess, I guess we'll see. <laughs>
1: Uh, the next question here we've got from Dom Homie 101. Is it me or is Yoshihashi the best opponent for this version of Evil? So apparently, there's some people that were kind of enjoying this match. I don't know. I, I enjoyed Hashi.
2: I enjoyed Hashi's side. And then every time something <laughs> would happen with Toba, I'd be like, God, ah, you know, like, oh, oh really? Like, why? Uh, no, I, I, I get that totally. I mean, Hashi is. He's really good. He's really solid. He and he's doing a lot of little things better than he did even a year ago, two years ago. You know, I feel like he fills the spaces between his spots a lot better, a lot more credibly. Um, he just looks better out there. He's comfortable. You know, like this is. I was like. I'm really happy to see this in a lot of him, and I look forward to his matches. To his matches when he was not involved.
0: Right, and you know, like we mentioned, he got a renewal. You know, once he won the Never Six a Man uh, titles and. I think Goshashi wants to try really hard. He wants to prove that he should be in the G one and belongs. You know, he didn't score very well last year, got I think got four points or something like that, very low on the block. And so he goes out there, works really hard, and you know, he tries to out outwork the Togoism and ends up being in decent matches.
1: Yeah, I mean, there's a part of me that's like thinking about the question, I'm like, who is Evil's best opponent since he turned heel? You know? Or I can't man.
0: Huh? Hiromu
1: they had one match and I mean him and Zach Sabre had like one match I don't think there's a single person really that I've felt confident to to say like yes when these two guys go out they're going to deliver
0: yeah I think it all depends again this was the opening match so you know they didn't get the, the normal evil 30 plus minutes so I think that that helped too
1: very interesting
0: well, let's move on to the next matchup. We had the Aloha Maker Jeff Cobb defeating the Crown Jewel Chase Owens, 12 minutes and 11 seconds, and uh, this was a very good matchup here. You know, we, we've talked on the show before about how you know we, how good of an in ring worker we thought Chase Owens was, and he showed it really here in this match. I mean, there was pretty much no cheating from Chase here. And no cheating from Cobb, but both these guys, this is a match I feel like you would see like on, a, on an independent kind of main event. And these guys uh, did a really good job here.
1: And I feel like um, we've seen these two guys wrestle on that produce show that Kenny did at the CEO show a couple years ago.
0: Oh, yeah. I forgot they had that match there.
1: Yeah, we saw that live. And uh, I don't remember being that impressed with that at the time. But, uh, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if this delivered.
2: Yeah, I thought it did. Um I didn't really have expectations either way, but I I thought uh Chase looked really good. Like uh all his offense looked really um looked really credible, right? Like he's uh all his offense is perfectly suited for a smaller guy versus bigger guy. You know, he's hitting V-triggers. He's uh he's uh what what else did he do? Well, he took a belly-to-belly on the floor, which was crazy. He <laughs> just he got tossed completely. Yeah. Um took a great bump off the top rope and Cobb cut out his legs that looked gnarly um yeah I thought it was a really good match I thought it, I mean I was into it it was and it was the pace was fast the pace was fast these guys just kept moving Cobb is a physical freak um yeah I went like three and a half three and a quarter stars on this I thought it was pretty good
0: yeah I went three and a half like you mentioned you know fast paced 12 minute match story of the match is obviously Jeff Cobb is the more powerful the bigger opponent and Chase is trying to outwork him, try to outuse his speed advantage, um, the quickness, and, but you know Cobb would catch him, like he mentioned, that belly to, belly to the floor. That was nasty, and just the, all the crazy of power moves that he was doing to uh, Chase Owens throughout this match until he finally was able to get him in the, uh, the rebound tour of the Islands. One, two, three. Cobb picks up his uh, first two points here.
1: Nice. We uh, had a question here from uh, Chak Tlaloc. <laughs> they asked uh what role should chase owens fill now that he is the texas heavyweight champion
0: well i don't think his role is changing i mean he's been the texas heavyweight champ for a while now and i don't think that has changed his role whatsoever
1: (laughs) is it even a real title i mean we don't even know what this means yeah does he walk
0: out with it i can't
1: remember did he come out with that? Sometimes. I don't
0: remember Sometimes, him coming right? out with it. Did he come out? I don't think he came out with it. I don't that. think so. Not this
2: time. Yeah. Maybe he lost it over the weekend. <laughs> he didn't even realize it.
1: They probably told him like, yo, keep your uh keep your uh, you know, replica belts at home. Like this is the G one, you know. <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh man. Let's move on to the next matchup here. Cole Skull Sonata defeating Tamatonga. Nineteen minutes and four seconds. Uh thought this was, again, another uh, very good matchup here. Um, you know, another bull Club guy with, with minimal cheating. I know a lot of people were worried about Tamatonga. You know, last time we saw him in a G1, his performances were not that great, kind of stunk up the joint. But I thought he worked really hard here, had a good match here for Sonata, who's a guy who typically wrestles to the level of the guy he's in there with. Uh, I thought for the most part, this was pretty uh, fast-paced. A lot of great counters, you know, the way that Sonata countered uh, the gun stun in, into the, the the skull end, and there was a lot of great, um, there were a lot of gun, gun stun counters, um, a lot of um, counters out of the the, the the dragon sleeper. You know, Tamatunga did a uh, tongue and twist out of that. So these guys worked really well together, and I thought was another, again, a three and a half, another really good matchup.
2: Yeah, I'm actually right there with you. So three and a half. Um, I, th- I will say this is probably the first time that I haven't been disappointed with Tama Tonga in a singles because I think I, the, the, no, I, that, oh, damn that was supposed to be a compliment I'm sorry <laughs> um the temptation with Tama is always like when he gets the singles you know match you're like okay he's really good in tags super charismatic guy you know this should be good and then invariably it's usually not usually it's kind of mid right uh but this is the best I think I've ever seen him um just he was and maybe it's just the chemistry he has with Sonata but they were countering uh really really well they were uh he busted out that butterfly pile driver
0: oh yeah was was talking insane. to the, the j driller i was like oh my god that's
2: what it's <laughs> called i couldn't remember what the name it
0: was. It was the tiger driver 98 yes drop drop this man's knot on his dome
2: yeah um, it was and um yeah it was a really really good match um i took off a full quarter star for uh for the paradise lock mm-hmm. <laughs> I can't, I can't. I cannot with that move. I can just that move just it just kills everything. Like it's and I don't even get why he still does it to be honest. Because the crowd is so into it before it happens. Like when he's like telling them cheer, 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 you know, clap, clap, clap. Then when he actually connects with that low drop kick as he slaps his thighs super hard with both hands, uh, it's just like eh, you know, it's just like and and the, you know, clap crowd. I understand, but even before clap crowds, even pre pandemic, it was always just a very lukewarm kind of pop. So I'm like, this is like.
1: Listen, Dan, I think the problem is like, I know you've done some training, but you know, I've trained more than you. So, uh, <laughs> the thing is, you probably just don't understand the technical beauty of the paradise lock. I mean, I've been locked in that thing and you just can't get out. You know, what you I'm woke saying? up like a week later, right? You were like, yeah. what am I? What's they going left- on? So, so, so Matt Seidel puts me in a paradise lock, right? Turns off the lights, of the building leaves. I'm there alone. You know, no food, no water, no sustenance. (laughs) I fall asleep. I wake up the next morning, and you know, the people that own the building are there and they're wondering what I'm doing in the ring tied up in knots. And I had to have some people push me over. So (laughs) it's a very, very, very legit move. And I just think you don't get that. I don't know.
2: That's my fault. That's my <laughs> <laughs> Oh,
0: man. But yeah, we, we got the finish. But
2: otherwise, yes, I agree, Jeremy. It was a really good match. Um, I actually watched this match with... Uh, I, I watched it with English commentary and Japanese commentary in the background. Oh, like, I put both okay. streams on. And the Japanese commentators were going absolutely ape. And it, I thought it really added to the match. They were really, really into it.
0: Yeah, I thought both guys, like, were... Really hard to like get the fans into it. Like Camo kind of stole the, the RKL setup where he was like pounding the mat and the crowd's like clapping along to the pound, and then in the, the match, he goes for the gun stun one more time. Uh, Sonata counters into an O'Connor roll, one, two, three, gets rolled up, and Sonata gets his first two points on the board.
1: Nice. And just for the record, I was joking. I don't know if I've trained more than Danny. I have no idea. Um, you know, keep in mind with these two guys though, they have worked. Extensively together, uh, especially in those tag team matches between GOD and LIJ back in the day. So, uh, we did have a question here from Mitch MM22. He said, Is the character supposed to be dumb in KFA? <laughs> <laughs> Watching that Tamatanga match was infuriating. Falling for the dumb heel stick and shaking Tamma's hand and posing on the top rope with his back turn. Uh, then he released the skull into a missed moonsault. Kills me every time. I love watching Sonata wrestle but the character is so damn frustrating. I'm genuinely asked is being dumb a part of
0: the character. <laughs> <laughs> well, he he is a cold skull maybe there there's nothing in the in the coal skull. <laughs> uh but yeah, yeah the the moon's thing uh frustrates me a lot too cuz especially you know the refs dropping the arm one and two and then he's gonna get the win with the stoppage, and then he goes up for the moonsault, and then the guy always recovers in time and, and moves, so that is, that is kind of dumb as well, and then, yeah, in this matchup, Tamma offers the handshake twice, he fell for it twice, and, and got attacked that way, and then uh, Tamma I thought it was hilarious, where, like, Tam was like, we just did a nice spot together, shake my hand.
2: <laughs> I respect you, I respect you. <laughs> <laughs>
0: uh, and then the, the, the pose off, and Tama lured him into the pose off again, so yeah, I think uh, what do they call him? It? Not like a himbo? Is that, is that what the term? Yeah, <laughs> he's he's a he's a dumb jock, and yeah, he is false for everybody's uh, tricks.
1: Yeah, we used to try to like make sense of it, you know, using logic and psychology. But like, I'm done making excuses for this man. He's just stupid. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Uh, let's move on to the semi main event here dangerous t tai chi he defeats hiroki goto 18 minutes and 30 seconds uh, another little hard hitting matchup here danny what do you think about this one
2: yeah i really liked it i actually watched it twice um uh the first time i went four stars on it uh second time i went a little lower maybe like 3.75 but eh, the weird, you know again picking at nits um the only thing was maybe the first five minutes are like that slow Tai Chi pace, Uh maybe a little bit more than five minutes. But I, I after that, he
0: got, and, you know, he was doing like the choking with the
2: cable on the outside and Red Shoes is powerless to or something. Hey, hey, hey. oh. to,
0: to be fair, Goto did choke him with the cables first. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> um, yeah,
2: so it's then Tai, tai Chi returned the
0: favor, shot Red Shoes,
2: all that stuff. I like if, you were, if I was re-watching it a third time, which I'm not going to do, but if I was, I would just skip the beginning, right? I would skip the beginning, and, and then it really, really picks up. And, uh, yeah, Tai Chi is, you know, he's really good. You know, he's not he, – he's he's the old Tai Chi for up to a point in the match. And then he gets serious, and he puts his working boots on, and he starts kicking, you know, k- kicking relentlessly. And Goto's Goto. Goto is, you know, super reliable, super snug. So everything looked really good down the stretch. Um yeah, I thought it was a really, really good match.
0: Yeah, and I like that um, Tai Chi is now incorporated into that choke slam maneuver. You know, he, he teases it, you know, doing the chokes all the, the beginning of the match. He has the quote unquote Greco Roman choke, but the, he's been turning that into a choke slam now. Um, I love that that illegal sumo strike move that he's been doing, that, that sumo uh, forearm elbow moves. That's just killer. Um, these guys had a great strike exchange where if, uh, Tai Chi kicking the, the knee and Goto throwing uh, forearms and. Yeah, like like you mentioned, after you get through the the, the first few shenanigans, it, it's all like hard hitting action here. These guys throwing big strikes, uh, throwing you know, big suplexes. We got that dangerous you know backdrop driver, uh, which was great on uh, to Goto. Um Just a lot of good stuff. Goto busting up the Shouten Kai for uh, a great near fall as well. And so there's a lot of great uh, back and forth here until um, Tai Chi eventually. Yeah, I'm gonna mention he hits that the, the sumo elbow and hits the Black Mephisto. One, two, three. We also had Miho Abe out here. So we had Miho Abe and Peter in the same weekend. Of- Jeremy, clean it up. Clean it up. This is- <laughs> <laughs> You're making this podcast a little too thirsty. I mean- <laughs> hey, uh, hey. But speaking of thirsty, man, Chris Charlton, he he was pretty uh thirsty on <laughs> all the calls this weekend. Why? What did he say? Well, he was like, uh, when uh, Peter was out there, he was like, kind of like, you know, oh, man, it's, uh, you know, the atmosphere, like, it's is great seeing her. Makes things so much better. And then there was, some, oh, he wanted her to do the, uh, the chest pop, the, the chest um, pump or whatever that um, Tai Chi does. He was saying that for Miho. <laughs> yeah, it's like, I'd like to see Miho do that. <laughs> and Kevin's <laughs> like, would you stop? <laughs> <laughs> oh, uh, man. So, so, yeah, good stuff here. I went four stars uh, flat on this one. Uh, yeah, hit, hit the notebook for me. Really enjoyed this one. And that brings us to the main event of the evening, the Rainmaker. And I can say that proudly, the Rainmaker, Kazuchika Okada, is back. He defeats the ace, Hiroshi Tanahashi, 29 minutes and 36 seconds, literally coming down to the last few seconds before the 30-minute the time limit draw and I thought this was a a masterpiece. Obviously, these guys, amazing chemistry. They never have a bad match. I know a lot of people were kind of low on the Dallas match, saying they were just kind of playing the hits. I mean, we were there live, and I loved that match. Uh, and I love this match as well, too. We saw a lot of the old Raymaker Okada, a lot of the the, the cocky one-foot cover, um, just, you know, some of the different spots he was doing. I mean, he still incorporated the money clip but we saw more of the rainmaker combo holding onto the wrist we got the rainmaker pose and of course tanahashi was excellent as well we got the high fly flow to the outside and the dragon screws and the, the counter of the rainmaker into a small package towards the end i bet on that I, th- I thought tanahashi was going to get him there uh yeah just again to so many incredible counters uh back and forth but Came down to the bread and butter, that rain maker. Bow, one, two, three, lights out for the U.S. champ. Okada gets two points. Danny, what do you think? Well,
2: you know, Okada my favorite. Well, you know that now. So I obviously went seven stars on this. Um, <laughs> no, <laughs> I went four and a half on it. I thought it was great. I, you know, they, it is very familiar when you watch these guys. It's like the same notes in a different arrangement. And it makes all the difference, right? Little things, right? Like Tana going to hit the ropes, but then he stops short and drop kicks right away. He Mm -hmm. drop kicks the knee right away. Just a lot of little things like that. And like kind of that uh, development where Okada's finding himself again. He's he's going back to being the rainmaker. Uh, The transition into the money clip off the rolled crossbody. You Know the money clip is never going to be anybody's favorite, but at least he's finding something interesting to do with it here and there. And the sub does give him something else, like another plausible finish, right? Um, like just going back to the Ishii and Chingo match, if I had to again criticize it, um, one thing is that there were no credible, there were no believable false finishes for Ishii in that match. I couldn't think of one where I sort of bit at all because he doesn't have other finishers, right? He has the brain buster. Uh, he, right. doesn't have, he doesn't have a submission. And, you know, when's the last time he, he won a singles match of any significance with the power bomb or lariat sliding or running, right? Like, so you take those things out and then it kind of ruins that, that you don't have another plausible finish. And these guys do because you're not the only one that bit hard on that small package on the, on the inside cradle. Like in the crowd too, the crowd gasped because it was so close. It was great. You know, Red Shoes was perfect. Yeah, it was a really, really good match. And uh, yeah, I mean, mean, I'm not sure. They they got to pop off a headlock. They got, they got an audible (laughs) gas. The black crowd got an audible gas off a headlock reversal. You know, that's when I was like, okay, this is, you know, these guys are about to perform some art, you know? Um, Yeah, I I just, I I thought it was great. Oh, Okada had new gear. That's always a plus. Yeah,
0: he had the uh, NXT 2.0 gear on. Yes. <laughs> Uh-oh, that's a bad sign.
2: That's a bad sign. All right, I guess that we've seen the last of him after this G1. <laughs> it,
0: it, it's better than, than the Long Boys. <laughs> it couldn't get that's, much worse. Those are
1: my exact sentiments. I'm like, at least it's not the freaking Long Boys, you know?
2: Um, yeah, no, I mean, I, I was fine. The gear, either way, they, they, they were okay. Uh, but yeah, it was just a really, really good match that... Uh, it's it's the kind of match where if you've been watching, you're rewarded, right? It's it's one of those things, right? That that uh, New Japan always rewards longtime viewers. I think they continue to do that, which is amazing because these guys have wrestled so many times but they still find new ways to put things together and you know as as Tanahashi ages out out a little more you know he might be around another uh, 10 years for all I know but uh, at this pace um, but as he gets older and Okada is still in his physical prime they can change the story a little bit right because now it's two in a row that Okada has got over him so it keeps things interesting um, yeah I really don't have you know if I went four and a half I, I, I could be talked into higher a little bit higher um, the only thing, you know, that this match was missing was maybe, um, you know, stakes, you know, just, you know, that it was just opening night.
1: Yeah. My, think... my biggest thing was just thinking that they'd kind of reached the highest of heights that they possibly, you know, could, uh, could reach and pretty much done, you know, told every story that was possible for them to tell, you know, and the idea that, you know, that Tanahashi would even be competitive or favored or be capable of beating uh okada in 2021 just seemed kind of far-fetched to me and now look where
0: we're at you know right and yeah and i I thought also i went four and a half on the match as well um yeah i I think the only thing that was missing was a a sold-out arena that could cheer and shout i feel if they had that energy it might have pushed it over the top but like you mentioned, Josh, yeah, it's kind of crazy to think Tanahashi is still going at this high level. He's still competing against Okada and trying to, to beat him and prove that he's still the ace. And, you know, a lot of people had the, the Tanahashi upset alert, especially with him being the U.S. champ and thinking he that Okada would start cold, but uh, starting hot here. And I think that's actually probably the right move, especially since Okada just lost to Jeff Cobb. And, you know, Okada's already had COVID, and he's vaccinated now, so he should be one of those guys that should— I know you could probably get it again, but he might be a lock to kind of be one of the safe guys, and it, it might be his time. You know, it's been a long time since he's uh, won a G1 or been in a final, so, I mean, this this could be Okada's year.
1: Yeah, and, you know, that kind of makes the most sense if you really think about it, because uh, just looking at Naito and, you know, how he kind of, you know, unceremoniously, you know, was dumped or, you know, got hurt and is out of the, the tournament – there's no telling what could happen between now and the end of the tournament. So like probably the smartest thing that you could possibly do. If you have someone that, you know, is going to win and that's going to be favored is not to get too cute with it and probably just book them to win most of their matches. Uh, I know, I know there are times where they've done like round Robin scenarios and this guy gets the, you know, the tiebreaker over this guy and yada, yada. Uh, I wouldn't even really mess with that. I'd, do more like the classic all japan you know champions carnival style booking you know have the guys that are going to win look just strong as fuck that way you're not even really messing around too much you know
0: right
2: makes sense I, I i also thought that tanahashi might have won this one like i i thought there was a good chance like right he kind of surging with the u.s title just to give that a little bit more shine but it's a long tournament he's got plenty mm-hmm. of wins to pick up uh so i think it was probably was the right thing um to establish Okada early, like uh, Josh said, for those reasons.
1: We have some questions here, but one question I want to ask you guys, because this is something I've heard a lot of people talk about. What are your thoughts on them continuously teasing the 30-minute stretch, match after match, in some of these like main and some of the main events? Because we're hearing some – I've seen some com- uh, complaints about it online, and I'm wondering if it's going to be a narrative that we're kind of runs throughout the tournament or if it's uh, you know something that's just happening in these early shows, you know?
0: Yeah, like I was saying earlier, I I do think this might be a narrative that we see throughout this tournament. A lot of these main events kind of pushing to that thirty minute time. I mean, they're, they're they've already been doing that pre G one because they they want to get people their their money's worth and have you know the long New Japan main events. But now I think they can turn that into a story element with there being a, a hard set thirty minute time limit. So I do think we might see that play out more we might actually get a draw i think it's been a while since we've we've seen a draw in a g1 so maybe this is the year you know there's, there's a lot of big guys that gotta face each other maybe a draw comes down the line
2: yeah i think that's exactly right and i think i mean, I personally don't have a problem if it keeps going like that if they keep getting close because these so far i mean the three matches we saw that were pretty close to the time limit whether three or four uh they weren't guys that where that's unbelievable, you know, where they typically don't go that long at all. Right. But no, this is Okada Tanahashi, this is Naido Saber, Ishii, Takagi, you know, the, that it makes sense that they get close to that time limit. If they're dragging out Yujiro agushi 30 minutes, then we have to sit down and have a talk, right? <laughs> <laughs> but they're not doing that. So as long as they're not doing it just for the sake of getting close to 30 minutes, as long as they're doing it in matches where it, it makes sense, I don't have a problem with
1: it. Well, let's move on to some of these questions real quick. Um, Dom Homie 101 asked, thoughts on the return of the legend that's known as the Rainmaker?
0: Uh, I think it was great to see Okada kind of returning slowly back to form and just incorporating the Rainmaker more and using the Rainmaker to get the win here. And then, you know, in the post-match promo, you know, admitting to the fans, like, you know, I haven't been, you know, the Okada that you're used to. Um, You haven't seen the the top Okada performance lately. Well, that's changing and the Rainmaker is back. And so, uh, I, I could do with less money clip, but it was good to see him uh, bringing back the rainmaker and getting the big win with that, and starting to use that again.
2: Yeah, agreed. Uh, like, I think if he's going to use the rainmaker on anyone, it would be his greatest rival, right? That that would be one where he's like, forget it, you know. I know this works. I'm going to do this move, you know, put this guy away, uh, as opposed to being hard headed and trying to get the money cl- clip over trying to get the win with that so yeah i I think it's it's the right play right now too i mean as far as the company goes like you said he's healthy um there's and they've got three nights to fill at the dome you know if if okada is on two of those nights in the main i don't think anybody would blink right that's that's okada that's kind of what he does right? right and then you you have you know that simplifies the rest of the booking somewhat
1: uh, his next question: Are Okada and Tanahashi each other's best rival and opponent?
0: Interesting question. Um, I mean, it's I far-
1: think I think it's an easy question for me. I'm. I'll just tell you straight up: Yes, absolutely, they're each other's best opponent. Yes, absolutely, they're each other's best rival. Um, and I think when you quantify it by putting those two things together, uh, you might have a. You might have a argument for other opponents that are like just pure in-ring gold with them and you might have other guys that are you know have heated rivalries with them we can you know you can list your nakamoras you can list your omegas and all that but if you really amalgamate those two things what is the best in-ring and you know pure rivalry i mean Okada Tanahashi. I mean, you're talking about Bret Hart, Shawn Michaels. You're talking about Ric Flair and Rick Steamboat. You're talking about Takada, or um, you're talking about Mizawa and uh, Kawada. I mean, you're talking about the all-time best rivalries. And I mean, you know, in ring, sure, Okada and Omega might be better, but like, nobody has knocked it out of the park on the on as high of a level as often as Okada and Tanahashi. Period. It's the greatest rivalry in the history of wrestling.
0: Yeah, I was gonna say you people could potentially argue uh Omega for Okada, but I mean without the Tanahashi rivalry, is there an Omega Okada? That the Tanahashi rivalry sets the foundation, creates Okada, gets him over, and it it was a, a rivalry that really took the company into an upswing to where it was the last few years. Yeah, and I mean you can
1: make the same thing the same argument for uh Nakamura and Tanahashi as well, and the uh, you know the long term importance of that rivalry as well. But it, I, I don't think anything really touches Okada Tanahashi. Period. You know what I'm going to say? <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, it, it,
2: you know, it defines a whole era, right? Like like you said, Nisawa Kawada, right? It's it's it, it, Steamboat Flair it defines this era, right? Like what is a great match in this time, a great rivalry, a great feud, it's this, right? So I think that alone puts it, yeah. And you could single out individual matches that maybe you rank higher, right? Like the Omega series or Nakamura with Tana. But yeah, I totally agree that it's, it's just, it's so identifiable as like, this was the main thing in New Japan for these years. This was it. This was the centerpiece of the whole company.
1: Right. Uh, next question from Chak Talak, he asked or they asked, were you also underwhelmed by Okada randomly busting out the Rainmaker in day one and putting Tanahashi away with it with only seconds to spare?
2: Randomly? How dare you? <laughs> now, uh, now, I kind of get that criticism, right, because maybe you wanted to build up to, like, you know, a later show that's more important, that's more pivotal in points and stuff like that. I sort of understand that criticism. But I think, again, if, you, if he's going to if they have to put that night one. Uh, he's going to do it against Tanahashi, right? That's the right opponent to bust that out uh, for. So, uh, like, yeah, I'm totally cool with it, but I, I do get the criticism if if you're hoping for like a more of a slow build and like more of tease, tease, tease. Maybe he goes for it, misses it, you know, and then later on down the stretch when it really counts, he
1: hits it. Did you guys want him to do the money clip all year like last year? I mean, come on, bro.
0: Yeah, I was not overwhelmed. I was pleased. I mean, we we've seen we've gotten the whole long build for Okada when he was, you know, balloon Okada. He kinda he tried to build back up to what he was. Uh, and like you mentioned, we've seen the money clip all year. We've we've been seeing this this, this has been a long play of him finally really, you know, using the Rainmaker. So I don't think we need to build up the G one to for the Rainmaker again. I think they did the right thing of setting the pace, setting the tempo for what kind of Okada we're going to see in this tournament where we're getting the Rainmaker back, that's the kind of pace, that's the tempo we're going to see for the rest of the tournament.
1: Dude, the other thing too is Okada's been watching Tanahashi and seeing him like surge and he's like, oh no, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> he's like, I'm going back to Old Faithful, I'm going to put him down with the same move that I know works, I'm not fucking around with no Rainmaker, like with a money clip, you know, okay, this guy, we can't we can't be playing games with Tanahashi, okay? I'm not going to get embarrassed on the first day of the G1 against, uh, you know, old-ass Tanahashi. <laughs> Fuck that, you know? That was hold my it, point. Hold this, go to sleep, and guess what? I'm serving Rainmakers <laughs> up on the menu yeah. for the rest of you motherfuckers for the entire tournament. <laughs> Everyone can get some. I hope, I hope this guy goes undefeated. I hope Okada just, like, <laughs> just fucks up the b block you know it's
0: quite possible he could
2: (laughs) not jeremy but you did make a great point there that where you talked about that we have seen kind of a build towards toward it it's just you know if you think of that g1 as kind of like self-contained isolated then yeah it was day one how could he do it on the first day but if you've been watching all along it's you know the culmination this day one is the culmination of the whole year
1: um, last, uh, last couple questions just about the G1 here. Uh, fit underscore beautiful 2638. Serious question Who do you think stepped up the most in the first two days? Tamatonga, Ujiro, Chase, or somebody else? What
0: do you think, Nanny?
2: Um, I think all those guys performed fine. I, I wouldn't say Ujiro because, like I said, the match was you know, it was capable, it wasn't anything special, it was just the ending, right? The ending kind of put it over the top, Chase's. Solid as always. I, I guess Tama, right? Because, like I said, Tama, this is the first time that I haven't been disappointed. Because I get my hopes up for Tama because I really like Tama Like I think he's a really super athlete, super charismatic. Can I can I share a quick story? Yeah, go um, ahead. We, yeah. Uh, when when we went to uh, uh, MSG, the MSG show, the this girl sitting next to me, um, she was going bananas for Tama Tama. Like just she was like, "That's my boo, that's my baby." She's screaming, <laughs> right? Screaming the whole time. Dude, she didn't know anyone else on this card, and I mean, any Okada came out, she was like, "Who's that?" She, wow, and but, you know, she's just so he's, This is the hold that Tama has on his fans. Okay, this is the connection he has with some of these fans. So I, I consider him a super charismatic guy, really great athlete, and I've often been disappointed when he gets like singles matches because they're not that good this was really good. I thought this was really, really good. And I think the best is yet to come for him because like I said, Sonata is a great opponent for him. They're very familiar, but um, he does have those tendencies that bother me. And like that person said, like, is he, is he a dummy? <laughs> <That question laughs> that we got. So I, I, I expect better things. Like I'm really looking forward to some of these matches with Tama.
0: Yeah, I think I would agree with you. I, w- I would go Tama. I mean, Chase is definitely a, a good option, but I feel like, He's always kind of been good. Just never really gotten the opportunity. Whereas Tamatonga has gotten opportunities before in the past. Like you mentioned, you know, very good stuff here with Sonata. And again, the cheating. There wasn't much cheating. I mean, Jato really didn't get involved that much, and Tama really didn't do much cheating. He was clean for the most part. High pace. Uh, a lot of great, you know, stuff into the gun stun. And so, uh, like you mentioned, I think this is n- not the best we've seen. I think we're probably going to see even better, or at least this level, throughout the tournament, which is, will be a very good thing for Tamatonga. Nice.
1: Um next last couple questions here from Rainbow Slam Pick he asked who was surprised the most so far in terms of performance either positively or negatively.
0: I think we kind of answer that. I think most positively is probably Tama.
1: Is there anybody that has underperformed so far uh in your opinion?
0: Um I don't know if anybody's underperformed um I mean, I still want to see more from Ocon and Kangaloa in their other that's matches. What, that's, based on the review you guys gave, that's what I was wondering.
2: Yeah, that was the first thing that came to mind, what are those guys? But it wasn't, yeah, I, I didn't, it would. they would have underperformed if I expected, like, something more than that. But I expected kind of a gentleman's three, and that's kind of what we got.
1: Uh, on the first two nights, um, which of the two main events was better in your view? I'm having a hard time picking, which is a major credit to all four performers. I'm not <laughs>
2: <laughs> That's the rainmaker. Yeah, no, I, I I like that match more. I thought it was uh like i said it's just it's just one of those matches where you're like and i'm actually not really smart about things like this like when i see it and like i can pick up on like oh that's a call back to like this match you know the three matches ago blah, blah. I, you know usually it takes me a while some rewatches to for that stuff to sink in but you could tell like there was a lot going on here like these two guys know each other really well and like i, like I said the, the headlock reversal when they got a pop-up for that in like the first few minutes i was like oh you know like these guys you know they're here to do the thing um but, you know, that doesn't mean that's not to take anything away from Ishii and Shingo. It's a completely different kind of match, right? Like, th- sometimes it's like, how do you even compare those, you know? Like, right. if you're in the mood just to watch, you know, big beefy men slapping meat, <laughs> but, you know, <laughs> Shingo and Ishii is it. That's It's a by, by a landslide, you know? But if you want a different kind of match with, like, you know, kind of like that slowish build, you know, with grappling and then some high spots and then they're exhausted and they're, you know, that kind of thing, then... Then obviously it would
0: be Okada and Tana. Yeah, for me, I, I went. I would go with uh, Shingo and Ishi. I mean, by a very slight margin. I mean, I went four point uh, seven five on Shingo Ishi. I went four and a half on Tanahashi and Okada. But to me, for Shingo and Ishi, the, the violence was just, just on on a whole other level, and just the, the the pace they worked within that near thirty minute match, and the laryds, the chops, and just everything that they put their bodies through in that match. And I think both guys are incredible sellers, especially Ishii. So that, that put it over for me. Uh, but again, both incredible matches, you know, I, I could be swayed to a 4.75 for Okada and Tanahashi. And I could see why some people might like that match a little bit more like you, Dan, than Ishii and Chingo.
2: Yeah, that's good. That's a good argument to have, right? Which, which of these two did you, uh, did you prefer, you know, that's a good yeah. problem to have where you just can't pick
1: nice well we've got uh three nights coming up on the 23rd 24th and 26th jeremy did you just want to run through those cards real quick or did you want to preview i didn't i wasn't sure how you're doing that
0: uh i mean we could do a, a preview maybe just give some uh quick predictions on uh who is going over these next three nights
1: okay nice so september 23rd and ota ward we've got shingo takagi against zach saber jr what are we thinking that night
0: uh, so that that's the uh, the main event that night And that's going to be a big match uh, Both guys coming in with big wins And then also this match got even more personal now as Right, Sabre has taken out uh, Shingo's friend and leader of LIJ So Shingo also fighting for his friend So uh, this should be a, a very interesting main event I don't know if we've have we seen Sabre and Shingo wrestle in New Japan Not that I can recall
1: And it, it might be a first time ever match uh, I'd have to take a look and Double check that, but I could do that real quick
0: Yeah, I'm really interested to see how I mean, uh, we've seen Saber and Ishii And they have great matches So I think that's going to be a similar kind of chemistry Here with, with Shingo and Saber So I'm really looking forward to this one But uh, I'm going to go Shingo For the win
2: Yeah, I think so too I don't have really great reason Other than he's the champion And I think they're going to save his losses For People they can do more with, like right. Oh, maybe I mean, that might end up being Zach, right? Like, like you said, three nights to fill at Wrestle Kingdom, and Zach is the kind of
1: guy you could shut the rocket to at any point. Um, but right now, it's probably go. So, I think it's a this one's really interesting because so early on, we're getting a, a match that's gonna matter later on in the uh tournament. I think I'm gonna go with Zach. Uh, just in case it comes down to a tiebreaker situation, because Shingo's going to be booked pretty strong the rest of the tournament. Um, I think I think you need an audible here and probably have Zach beat him somehow. Mm. And then that way they can you know finish with pretty comparable uh, point totals. Of course, I, maybe that's not the way they're going and maybe do just have Shingo win. But I, I'm going to uh, put my bet on uh, Zach here. Also, this doesn't help much, but they have one recorded singles match from wxw 16 karat gold tournament in 2009 it was a semifinal match and shingo did defeat zsj nine minutes and 27 seconds so you know guessing this won't go longer than that
2: <laughs> yeah i was going to um, mention that wxw match but i wanted to see if
1: you could find it oh nice <laughs> i believe you actually <laughs> um so kind of going, uh, I'll st- I'll go back to the bottom of the card. So we're opening up the night, Toriano against Great Okan. What are we thinking for that one?
0: I'm thinking Okan gets the win here, uh, get revenge from the New Japan Cup. Yeah, I think Okan needs to beat Toriano. Agreed. Just because. Um, so all three of
1: us are in uh, agreement. We also have Kenta versus Ujiro, second match of the night.
0: So we got Bullet Club here versus House of Torture Bullet Club. So it's going to be interesting to see how if any of that kind of plays out. Um, uh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna go with Kenta here. Uh, we'll go to sleep. Yeah,
1: both guys coming off losses. Kenta probably needs the win a little. No, Yudro's coming and... off a win oh, with the...
0: With, the, with a big oh, juice. I, you,
1: you're right. I'm just so used to him losing. <laughs> <laughs> and then Kenta really needs the win. <laughs> uh,
0: but uh, real quick, there was another question uh, about Yudro uh, that, that I missed from the Discord from EMJ does PR. He says, "Who has the biggest juice?" Huge Huge or Juice Robinson? It's got, I don't know.
1: Have
2: it's you can reconsidered your policy of reading every question again?
1: <laughs> it's, it, it, it's equal. They have the same size juice.
0: I think we need to ask Peter. <clears throat>
1: what, is, what are you implying right now?
0: <laughs> I think she would know who has the bigger juice. Okay. Uh, move,
1: Jeremy's just gone off the deep end on this episode. <laughs> um, we also have the... Uh, the gimme match for Tangaloa against Yuji Nagata. I'm pretty sure we all assume Tangaloa is winning that one. And then the semi-main event of the night, Kota Ibushi taking on Tomohiro Ishii. The war in the G1 that will never end. I hope these guys just coexist in the same block for all eternity.
0: Yeah, should be incredible. I'm going to go with Big Tom, have Ibushi start real cold, maybe start 0-3, and then rattle off 6 at the end.
2: Yeah, that's kind of what I envisioned too. I think it's going to be he's going to get closer, you know, he's going to improve and then he's going to hit his stride, right? So he's that, not going to get the win
1: here. That's got to be what's, I mean, after the Ujiro loss, you got to figure that that's what's happening. But uh, yeah, I'll ride with you guys. So September 24th, Ota Ward, we open up the night, Hiroshi Tanahashi against Hiroki Goto. Um, you know, old country beef. What are we thinking there?
0: Pretty interesting match to be the opener on this show. I, I would have probably thrown this more semi-main or the, the more the mid card. Um, it should be a great way to kick off the night. Um, Tanahashi might take a l- little bit of a night off after that that banger with Okada, um, but I'm going to go with Tanahashi getting get, bouncing back and getting a win.
2: Yeah, that is an extremely wild uh, pick for curtain jerker with Tamatanga and Chase Owens on the same card. Um, mm. Yeah, I think Tana probably. I don't know. It's hard to say. I'm bad at this. I'm bad at this. I'm <laughs> really bad at these picks.
1: The, the thing is with Goto, he's that guy that can beat anybody on any night, no matter who it is, pretty much. Um, so, I mean, you just never know with him. I'm going to go with Tanahashi, but I wouldn't be surprised if Goto actually beats him.
0: Yeah, well, I just want to oh. double check to make sure that's actually... <laughs> 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 that can't be right. That's <laughs> the, 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 the opener. Owens, right, that, that can't be right. <laughs>
1: Yeah, because that looks like that could easily be like the semi-main event. You got it as the opener.
0: Yeah, I mean, I I copied this from from Big Dave, so if it's a box. Bro, they're
1: always wrong. Stop copying from voice from uh, Wrestling Observer.
0: <laughs> uh, no, so and, yeah, nineteen seventy-two. Yeah, yeah, Tanahashi Goto is it's the first match.
1: Hey, well, they're starting off hot. So, so this uh, is Super
2: Bowl two. Is what you're telling me? <laughs> this is Lager uh, versus Pillman.
1: <laughs> we got a uh, Tama Tonga versus Chase Owens and the second match of the night
0: uh I'm gonna go with Tama same
1: uh, I'll just go with you guys because I don't know <laughs> <laughs> after that we have a uh, Yoshihashi and Jeff Cobb
0: I think Cobb's gonna be another guy that's gonna start off hot and probably end cold so yeah have Cobb toss Yoshihashi around here
1: I think uh Yoshihashi's uh gonna take a tour of the islands, if you know what I'm saying. <laughs> yeah. And then uh the semi main event, we've got Sonata versus Tai Chi. Is there not a preview? Oh, gotcha. Yeah, that, that it's only on the A block nights. Um Sonata versus Tai Chi semi main event action. Um
2: hmm.
0: I guess you t- see Tai I- Chi taking this. Yes, yeah, Sonata,
1: I mean, he- Sonata's winning this. You think so? Yeah, it's Sonata.
0: So, okay. yeah, I'm going to go with Sonata just because Naito lost to Zack. So I figure you need the other tag partner to beat the other tag partner in case they wanted to set up a tag title match, which also they can't do now because Naito's hurt. But, yeah, I'll go with Sonata here, even though I would prefer Taichi to win.
1: That's pretty much the boat I'm in. I'm just like, you know, I think they're going to treat Taichi well, but I don't think he's beating Sonata, the guy that was, you know, a finalist in the G1 the year
0: before. Right. Uh, they could. I mean, I,
2: I think Tai Chi could take that victory and like, it would be totally, you know, if not the right thing to do, it would be acceptable. You know? Like, people be like, oh, okay, Tai Chi's that guy. I know. Tai I, Chi is that guy. at that I'm level.
1: not against it. And you know, it's the G1, so anything could happen. But, um, the sem- the main event of the night, we've got the match everyone's been waiting for. The Rainmaker, Kazuchika Okada versus evil.
0: <laughs> Ooh.
2: Yeah, it's a testament to how unwatchable evil matches are that the last Okada versus Evil wasn't any good. You know, like I just like Okada is someone who can elevate opponents, right? He's like a Tanahashi. They can bring out the best in their opponents, and I just don't see it. I just this this might be super bad too, because with uh, someone level of Okada, Evil's probably going to have more shenanigans. You know, he's going to have the garrote. He's going to have some crazy stuff. Show's going to be there. You know, with the chaos angle, right? Um, so it's it could get bad. I don't know. <laughs> and I have no faith
1: in this match to be even decent.
0: Yeah, and it's also tough because you know these guys are going to be two guys that are going to be finishing twelve points at the top of the block. They're going to be fighting till the very last night. So this is a very crucial match for both of these guys for the rest of the tournament. Uh, however, I am going to go with Okada just because of the whole Rainmaker being back. He never really used the Rainmaker a ton with Evil in this run. And so that that could be the big difference that kind of puts him over Evil.
1: I, I just have to believe in the light and the goodness and go with Kazushika Okada. But uh, this is a, a winnable match for Evil, so it's hard to, you know, uh, especially if they want to kind of get Especially if Okada is gonna win this tournament and they're trying to gear evil up for some sort of main event run, it logically does make sense to me for them to have a lot of cheating have evil go over. I just hope that doesn't happen.
2: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean after the, the Rainmaker's back speech, I think it's likely that a lot that his losses are more down the stretch. Like if Okada has to lose, it's going to be more you know, as the tournament wears on, and you know takes its toll on him, he's hurt from previous matches, that sort of thing. I think that would make sense. I think he would throw a bucket of cold water on people right now if he's like here, he's back, and then I just lost to Yeah,
0: September uh, twenty-six. Hold on, Jeff. let got- me let me do this one because the card changed up a little bit with uh, the order with Naito uh, being injured, and there's also a, a Young Lion match too. Uh, so it's going to open up with uh, Master Wato against Fujita in the non-tournament opener. I uh, think Wato is uh, gonna win that one. Uh yeah. <laughs> then the uh, the second match will be uh, the replacement match will be Yuji Nagata versus Shingo Takagi in the second match.
1: I just figured they're they're headlining that. I'm like badass, you know. <laughs> yeah. Shingo Nagata headline, yes. <laughs> uh, but I, I if I was them, I'd have Nagata go over. You know, just keep it fresh, <laughs> keep it spicy. You know.
2: Get another challenger in there for Wrestle Kingdom.
0: Yeah, Yeah. The, um, Nagata should win all these like matches and be like, I should have been in the G1. I beat all these people in the G1. I want a shot. I want a taste.
1: I, w- I was hoping that like he would be the replacement guy every night. And then he was like basically just still in the G1. Right. And, you know, that'd be awesome. <laughs> but yeah, Shingo's gonna, you know, pumping bomber him to hell. So,
0: yeah. Then the third match will be Great Okan versus Yudro Takahashi.
1: I don't even know what to think about that match right now. Um, I don't know. I'm going to go with Okan, I guess.
0: Yeah, I think Okan will uh, knock off the big juice here and get the win.
2: Yeah, that's probably right. I don't. I'm more concerned. Like I don't really care who wins. One, but <laughs> I'm more concerned like, that, about the clash of styles, right? Like, just in your head, like, can you see that match? Can you picture, like, how that's going to go and be good no. or be decent, right? Yeah, it's just one of those things where, like, I don't see these guys gelling at all. And Yujiro is going to prove me wrong and go berserk.
1: Okay. <laughs> don't, who are you to doubt, huge, huge? <laughs> we shall see. We shall see.
0: Uh, then fourth match of the night will be Toriyano versus Tangaloa.
1: Yeah, I've got a.
0: <laughs> you can tell our <laughs> excitement with the, with the silence. I yeah, got that that picnic.
1: You know, Yano only, Yano only gets a couple wins, you know, per year, and they're usually over pretty big guys for important reasons. So I'm pretty sure Tangaloa's going to beat him.
2: Yeah, and I think they probably want to sprinkle that, you know, further apart the Yano shenanigans.
0: Yeah. Le- uh, Leading to an actual win. Yeah, I mean, he, he he got his win over Kenta. He's coming with two points. Tangelo lost to Guerrero Khan. So, yeah, I think this is, this is a good match for Tangelo to win and get some points on the board. Then the semi-main event will be Tomo Tomohiro Ishii versus Kenta.
1: Yeah, that sounds pretty awesome. Uh, we've seen them have some great matches in the past, and I'm looking forward to that. Um, in this case, I'm going to go with Kenta. Because he usually seems to have Ishii's number. I don't know, man. Part of me is saying go Ishii. You know what? I'm going Ishii. I'm going to listen to my gut. You know?
2: <laughs> I just had that same, like a very similar internal struggle but I came out with uh, Kenta on top because I think that's uh, I think I don't know. I think uh, he will Like it's important that kind of get, you know, two points over somebody credible like Ishii and uh, Ishii will be able to
0: Take that loss at this point. Yeah, I'm also gonna, I'm also going to go with Kenta. I mean, we we have Ishi, uh, you know, beating Abushi on the 23rd, um, and Kenta needs to you know, get some points on the board as well. Um, and so, yeah, I'm going to go with Kenta. This should be a great match. I, I really enjoyed their uh, the Royal Quest match, and a lot of people kind of hated on that match, but I think these guys have good chemistry. And I'm looking forward to it. Um, then the main event will be Kota Bushi versus Zack Saber Jr. That. Sounds awesome.
1: Um, you know, say what you will about these cards, they're at least giving us some really great main events and top of the card stuff. So, um, I so I've got I had Saber going back to you know back to back the two nights. Yeah, I think he needs to um, beat Ibushi here too. I think Ibushi's got to lose the first three nights. So, and that's kind of his redemption story. His slump. So. Yeah, I, I think I'm going to
0: SJ. Yeah, I'm gonna go Zach as well. Yeah, really have Ibushi hitting rock bottom and having to, you know, really refine refine himself and fight towards the end here. And then again I'll give Saber a big win. Um and kinda keep Saber alive going down the line as well. Yeah, I have a similar line of thought. Um the only
2: I only hesitate because Ibushi taking three losses doesn't that make it kind of predictable, right? That he's going to search towards the end, right? Like, um, but then again, it might be predictable for a reason because that's what they usually do. Um, so I'll I, I take Saber, but I'm not super super confident in that.
1: I do think it's possible he only takes the two losses and then gets the comeback win against Saber. So I'm not discounting that either, and that might be the way to go. But it's man, this. This term is so hard to call this time.
0: <laughs> yeah, it is so unpredictable. Like with just the with the booking, the COVID, the injury, like who who knows what, what's going to happen. Well, that wraps up our G one coverage for this week. Also, next week we'll be back to review those three shows and uh, preview the next set of nights. So now we're going to shift gears to New Japan Strong. In this past Saturday, we had the start of the Fighting Spirit Unleashed tour, the taping with fans that they did in California the the Monday after Resurgent. So this was, you know, the new time, Saturday, uh, 8 p.m. on New Japan World. uh, Show opened up with Tomohiro Ishii defeating Alex Coughlin.
1: Hard-hitting i really enjoyed this show i did get a chance to watch strong me and jeremy watched that together saturday night and uh yeah man ishi Coughlin's awesome ishi another one of these guys in his challenge series you know the hard-fought match you know good action but uh ishi put him away
2: yeah that was really good too um Coghlan's clearly ready, right? <laughs> he's, he's only a young lion in name, right? He's clearly at that level where he could go. Um, it was a short match, though, right? It was like nine minutes. Um, I thought the the live crowd helps to show, right? Because live crowd, obviously, you know, wrestling is meant to be performed in front of people. But I thought they were still kind of, like, very reserved for an American crowd, especially, I was like, why are not they louder? Because this match is pretty good, you know? And especially, you know, I mean, I don't know how long they were there at that point. Like, were they? was this, like, a taping that happened right after something else? Or? No, this was at the no, start of the tapings, right?
0: but it was, like, a, it was like a, I think, like, 500 fans. It was a small crowd, but it was, like, a diehard New Japan fan base mm-hmm. that are more respectful and actually, you know, watch. That's
1: what I was thinking. Yeah,
0: we'll actually watch the match and then, like, clap and cheer as the match gets going. So, yeah, it might have started off quiet, but I thought... Was good but how know. will
2: people know that this is awesome jeremy i, I don't understand
0: nobody nobody <laughs> told him to fight forever how how will they know to keep fighting ridiculous <laughs> uh but yeah i thought the match was really good and like you mentioned i, didn't, I, I mean, wanted
1: to know which guy if it was one of these guys or both or these both guys. of these guys
0: <laughs> <laughs> uh, but, yeah, I, I do think, you know, having the fans, like we mentioned, adds a ton to the energy for this show. That was all the show was really missing. Um, Yeah, great here, and a great, great opener here, Tomo Ruchi in the Brain Buster on Coughlin. So, in the, uh, the mid-match, we had um, Clark Connors. The mid-match. Well, not, not that way, mid, the, the, the middle <laughs> match, the second match. <laughs> we had um, Clark Connors, Hiroshi Tanahashi, and Carl Fredericks uh, defeating the Stray Dog Army of barrett brown bateman and mysterioso 13 minutes and 33 seconds
2: yes that happened um yeah it was was, a i didn't even write down a rating i guess i didn't remember it that well um You,
1: you know i dug this quite a bit just like kind of the novelty of like meshing the worlds of like you know we got the stray dog army and all the kind of like internal like stories going on with them you know, and then obviously Connors and Fredericks, but then you kinda of just throw Tanahashi into the mix and it's like this giant big superstar is like, you know, truly like an excursion match. I don't know. It kinda of remind me of like when like Mil mascaris would like show up places and do like six man tags or like Dusty Roads <laughs> or something like that, you know. <laughs> this big this big outside star shows up and he like teams with the you know, the local baby faces to get over on the bad guys and uh I thought the match was good at 13 minutes. I didn't think it overstayed its welcome, and I I thought everyone looked every all all like six of these guys are studs. So,
0: yeah, good match. I think having Tanahashi on Strong definitely helps. You know, bringing one of the mainstays on the top stars on the show was a great look, and then teaming them up with Fredericks and Connors, two guys that you're looking to to be the future of this company, especially the, this Strong brand. So yeah, fun little matchup here. Uh, Carl Fredericks gets the win for the team, and then post match he uh, cuts a promo, calling out Will Osprey, wants to prove that he's not a young boy anymore. Osprey is there, comes out, confronts him, uh, you know, pretty much says, you know, you're you're still a young boy, and they have a, a brawl, and Osprey leaves him laying, and says he'll see him in Texas, young boy. So. So, yeah that was
2: cool i thought that was good you know like that's how you build matches right he comes out there osprey is looking every part every bit the uh, part of champion right he looked right. look great uh carl rips off his uh slim fit dress shirt <laughs> and starts going to town and then uh, osprey hits him with the hidden blade um that looked good too yeah i thought that's you know that's very like you know Booking 101, right? That's what should have happened. Could, instead of just going cold into the next show, let's do something. And, uh, yeah, it's, I, I thought it'd be heat. You know, I'd be excited if I had tickets for that show.
0: Yeah. Um, we had a question from Talk to Talok. Who is the best young line out of the LA Dojo, and why is it Clark Connors? What do you guys think?
2: Uh, Connors is really good. He's, he's, he's um, I don't know about that nickname, but it's also kind of fitting, right? The, oh, rhino. the wild rhino yeah um yeah he's really good I mean uh, ever like is, is this Ali Dojo ever I don't know Fredericks is really good too I mean it's hard to say like it's so early in their careers right it's so early yeah. and and one you know guy is still kind of young lion status I mean he has a
1: nickname but he doesn't have anything else right yeah I um you know what's funny though this might be a hot take but like I'm kind of more one of the no gay dojo guys. Like there was a period like a year or two ago where I thought the LA dojo guys were smoking, you know, Suji and Narita and all them um, and Yuimura, but like not anymore, man, I'm kind of like much higher on Yuimora and Suji right now. And then even just seeing like what's going on with Oiwa and like, uh Fujita I'm like I don't know man like I really 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 like the LA Dojo guys all of them but I'm like they might want to step it up they got some uh some competition coming their way you know
2: <laughs> yeah Suji especially for me I you know I really really like Suji a lot um it's also really hard to compare because they're in different kinds of matches and I mean we'll see right. it more like at Suji's on excursion but strong is a different product right like right. It's, it's, it feels very different the match structures are different it's more like kind of indie style a lot of the matches uh not that there's anything wrong with that you know i'd love rich ladders pro wrestling um <laughs> but, uh, but it's so it's hard to compare it's hard to you know like i think suji looks great in the matches he's having maybe connor's and frederick's would look great you know in, in, in their in that style of match also
1: yeah the dirty secret rich ladders pro wrestling is just any good pro wrestling <laughs> <laughs> he's just throwing his name on everything that's good <laughs>
0: Uh, for me, I, I think I, I'm more of a Frederick's guy. Um, I mean, he's a the guy that's been pushing, obviously, but I, I do think, for at least for right now, I think he's kind of still a top. I mean, Connors is awesome, so is Coglin, uh, kind of that, that original class of guys. But I don't know. I just think there's more, probably a little bit more upside with Fredericks. So then, the main event of the evening, tables match. We had Hikaleo defeating Juice Robinson uh, nine minutes and fifty-seven seconds.
1: Um, I would go as far as to say this might be my favorite of the, like, major um, stipulation blow-off matches on Strong. They've had a few of them now, and I feel like this was maybe the best one.
0: Yeah, I mean, I thought it was really good. Um, I mean, they did a great job building to the match and also building up, you know, they had Hikaleo Layout Juice the previous night to... Set uh, the previous strong set this whole table match up, and yeah, I thought they worked really hard. There was a lot of great table, you know, near bumps. Uh, juice took a nasty landing, he did try to do that senton. on. Um, he's supposed to go through table, but kind of bounced. He had an I am the table moment there, but yeah, fun, fun match up here. Hecalea puts juice through the table. What do you think, Danny?
2: Yeah, I thought it was a fun match. I it, it is a little strange that a blow off match is like. 10 minutes you know, well, so it's,
0: well it's not it's not the blow off we got some news yeah. we got some news on that <laughs> right right so
2: it's not the blow off but it sort of felt like it was gonna be the like to your tables match i'm like okay but it was a blow-off fact, to me <laughs> in fact was like the uh the buried alive match and then they're gonna do the hell in the cell later you know <laughs> like it, like the stipulation match was not it um yeah that was a gnarly that was a nasty bump um i also did, really didn't like the uh I didn't like to see it. It was good, you know, for the match. But the top rope slam, juiced to the leg side of the table, who was laying oh, down with legs yeah. up, and he landed on that. I was like, "Oh, that could go wrong so easily," you know, like you just mess your whole shit up. Um, but yeah, otherwise, you know, like it's it's impressive to see Hikuleo coming along, right? Like, like I, there was a point there where like I thought like this guy's not gonna reach that next level, right? Like he's stagnating, uh, but. You know, the excursion system works. You know, he, he is reaching that next level. He looks confident. He looks good. Uh, and he's getting better all the time. He's, he's doing little things, you know, that make sense in the match. Um, he's not awkward at all as, like he used to be. So, yeah, it was, it was, it was a good little match, but it, that's how I describe it. It was, it was kind of a short match, right? It was sub-10 yeah. minutes.
0: Yeah, good, good little main event here. We had a question from Rambo Slam Pig. Has Juice reached his ceiling as a lower mid-carder in NJPW? job into the likes of hickaleo what would it take to get him sorted out at what point at one point he seemed to be a possible star
1: hmm. uh well i mean i don't know i feel like that's a little bit harsh i mean juice robinson was a star he headlined you know shows and held major titles and you know literally the trajectory of his career only started to kind of go down after the big loss to mox essentially um You know, I think that, for me, he started to repackage himself a little bit during that Mox match when he cut his hair off, and it was a signifier that, like, okay, I'm going somewhere different with this character moving forward, and then he took the loss, and then afterwards, when he came back, it was Blues Brothers, it was, you know, this and that, and, you know, it just kind of felt like...
0: The paint taker.
1: Yeah, the, the <laughs> fake taker. He he reverted as a character and kind of lost uh, a little bit of a sense of, like, the direction of his career. And, you know, a lot of it doesn't help that it all ha- seemed to coincide at, at the same time as, uh you know, COVID. I mean, the guy can still go. He still has great matches. He's still an incredible performer. But, you know, um, as far as, like, that story of him starting as a young lion and then... You know, having the feuds with Goto and him having the feuds with Kenny Omega and the feud with, you know, this guy and that guy and, you know, Cody Rhodes and all that, it, that stuff's kind of gone past and so he either is done, in my opinion, he's either pretty much done in New Japan and needs to leave the territory, go somewhere else and do something else, or he needs to be totally repackaged, new fresh coat of paint. I'm not saying change him entirely, but I'm I am saying like this character needs to change. He needs new life.
2: Yeah. yeah, well, we're seeing him in love territory, right? He goes to TNA. He's the same juice. So I don't know if that's the solution to anything. And i started sorry to cut you off, Jeremy. What's
1: um, What's TNA? Yeah. Impact Wrestling, pal. I'm old,
2: man. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I think it's that. I think he has to be repackaged because he's he's... You know, how like uh, they say, like most guys like need to be an extension of themselves or an amplified version of themselves. I feel like Juice is one of those guys. It's the opposite with him. I think you have to fight, you know, his tendencies to just be that I'm just here to have a good time character and the jester character, because we've seen that there's only so much mileage you can get out of that. No matter who you are. Right. At a certain point, it gets kind of corny and gets kind of played out and you just don't want to see it anymore because it's not well defined. It's just a thing. Right. Like I'm just a party guy right like he's doing the blues brothers he's like what what is that like it's nothing it's it's just whatever you know pops into his head he's i think if he was to turn heel and like so like he's with a faction that has some identity right that he would be much better off to just yes he would be playing against type because that's not what he would naturally do but i think that's what he needs he needs like to be more disciplined so he can be serious in the ring because when he's serious in the ring he's really good, you know, he's, he's really, I still remember like a Goto match that he had with G, in G1, I think, a few years ago, and it was great, it was a great match, and it was like the first match where I saw it where he wasn't like assing off, and just <laughs> like, you know, like he gets serious, then he gets silly, then he gets serious, then he gets silly, um, no, I mean, he's a really good wrestler, and if he was just serious, like, people would take him seriously, but at this point, it's like, the Rambones might be a little harsh, you know, but he's not entirely wrong. That like, yeah, he's kind of a lower mid carder at this point. But he's, as far as talent goes, he's better than that. I think he's he he could be more
1: near the top of the card. He was an upper mid carder. That's now a, a lower mid card.
0: Right, but
2: there's yeah. but there's no reason he couldn't be at that like at that level still. Like like as right. physically diminished, not at all. I don't think so. Like he's still probably close to his physical prime. Um, and you know, as far as like being a veteran and like you know knowing enough to have great matches with a bunch of different people he's at that level too uh it's just i feel like this whole gimmick or lack of gimmick or whatever it is really kind of holds him back because it kind of defines like the whole structure of the match he's talking to the fans and then we're supposed to take him seriously the next second it's just very awkward
0: yeah and that part of it too is kind of it might have something to do with the whole Gaishin unrest and maybe what Jesus' status is. You know, maybe after his contract is up, maybe he wants to leave New Japan and maybe the office knows that that he's going to leave, and so they're not booking him super high because he's going to leave, but they're you know giving him some interesting programs and ha- using him to help get Hikalea over and help give some of these other younger guys over, and that that might be the case, or maybe the a case, maybe Jesus is just happy with what he's doing. He's happy being. This this you know smiley mid card baby face. He's he's getting a paycheck. He gets to to work impact. He gets to stay here in the states. Work strong, and maybe that's all he wants to do. So who knows? So I guess we'll we'll see what happens. Yeah, if that's the case,
2: more power to him.
0: Yeah,
1: but in either case, I thought he did a really great job making uh, uh, Hikaleo look good in this match.
0: So. Uh, yeah. Next week on Strong, the Fighting Spirit Unleashed Tour will continue. The show will open up. We'll have Yuji Nagata on the show, teaming up with Yu Yamura, taking on Kevin Knight in the DKC. Then the second match will be Switchblade Jay White against the best friends, Wheeler Utah. And then the big main event, the hottest feud going in New Japan, pro wrestling today, Mr. No Days Off, Fred Rosser, takes on Ren Narita, and we've we know people who've been at the tapings and said this is an absolute banger. They've done a great job heating this rivalry up between Narita and Rosser, and I'm really looking forward to this uh, main event here.:
1: Very much ready for that. <laughs> been waiting for for some time now, so
0: and in other strong news, we have the autumn attack tapings happening this weekend in Texas. Uh, Saturday, September 25th and 26th, a new match was announced. You know, we talked a lot a lot about Juice and Hikaleo. These guys will be facing off in a Texas Bull Rope match on September 26th for the tapings here, and this was made official after you know, Hikaleo got the win over Juice, so these guys are going back and forth here in the rivalry, continuing tickets still on sale for Texas, and we have the, the full lineups here for both shows. So on September 25th, on Saturday, we'll have Minoru Suzuki vs Fred Rosser, Will Osprey vs Carl Fredericks, Jay White vs Robbie Eagles, TJP, Clark Connors, Leo Rush, and Juice Robinson vs Hikaleo, Chris Bay, Taiji Shimori, and ELP, Tom Lawler vs Ren Narita, K Taguchi, Ren Rocky Romero, the Mega Coaches vs West Coast Wrecking Crew, Jarrell Nelson and Royce Isaacs. Then on night two, September twenty sixth, the Texas Bull Rope match will be Juice Robinson Hikaleo. Then we'll have. The Suzuki Goon Reunion, Major Suzuki and Lance Archer versus Team Filthies, Tom Lawler and Royce Isaac. We have Leo Rush versus Taiji Ishimori. Switchblade, Jay White versus Red Death, Daniel Garcia. Will Ospreay will be having a mystery partner to take on Carl Fredericks and Clark Connors. And we have a question here from Viking Pain. Says, I don't know if you guys have heard about this or anything, but what's going on with Will Ospreay and Chris Hero? Are they working, or is there some sort of angle on Twitter? So, Have you have you guys seen the interactions of Osprey and Hero?
2: Yeah, I sort of caught up on that. Um, it didn't seem like... It just seemed like Osprey being, you know, uh, unlikable on Twitter, <laughs> as is his want, right? Um, just a troll. Yeah, yeah, it didn't seem like... It didn't make sense. It wasn't, like, super coherent. I thought if they were working, it would be clearer.
0: Yeah, I mean, but that was uh, just my
2: impression.
0: Osprey teasing, you know, maybe a hero will come help me. And Chris was like, I made this very clear. I'll make it even clearer. Delete this tweet. I don't want you using my name to get fans excited to make them think I'm going to be there and I'm not going to be there. Um, so it doesn't seem like this is a work and heroes working along. It seems like Osprey's just, you know, playing up people who could possibly he mentioned he teased buddy murphy said a buddy of mine might come he's teasing all these people um and so hero was not didn't seem very happy that he was being one of the guys teased
1: unless it's a super work you know unless like they are going to be doing something together but they they really want to throw you off the scent so you know they do this meta work basically
0: you know so
2: 40 chess going on on twitter
0: Right. <laughs> yeah, that, that, that could be it. Um, other matchups, we have Robbie Eagles and Chris Dickinson versus ELP and Chris Bay, and then TJP will take on Yuya Uemura. Then we got some matches announced for the New Japan Showdown that will be happening in Philadelphia at the ECW Arena, 2300 Arena there, on Saturday, October 16th and 17th. We'll have North Suzuki versus Chris Dickinson on the 16th, and then Will Ospreay against Alex Zane on the 17th. And just as I looked on the website, some more matches were announced. So we're going to have on night one, Juice Robinson versus El Fantasmo, and then a Switchblade Jay White versus Freddie Yehi. Then on night two, Alex Coughlin, the challenge series continues. He's going to take on Jonathan Gresham. Be a great match up there, and also on night two in Philly, there's going to be a big 10 man tag as Fred Rosser, Paul Fredericks, Rocky Romero, Ren Narita, and the DKC will take on all of Team Filthy, Tom Lawler, JR Kratos, Royce Isaacs, Jerrell Nelson, and Danny Limelight. Tickets on sale for both Texas and Philly. If you're in those areas, both of these cards look really good, and I would Definitely find a way to get to these shows. Um, and then some other news here to uh, close out the news section. Uh, this coming up Friday, we have the, the Rampage Grand Slam. Eddie Kingston and John Moxley, they're going to be taking on Suzuki and Lance Archer in a Lights Out match. So that's Friday on Rampage, special two-hour Rampage on TNT. Check that big match out. Uh, Defy Wrestling, Kevin Blackwood's going to be taking on Yua Yomora at Defy's Hellbent on October 14th at the Lodge Room in Highland Park. So should be another fun match there for Yomora. Then this past weekend, we had Rev Pro High Stakes 2021, and there was a lot of NJPW involvement on this Rev Pro show. We had Shota Umino Shooter defeating Dan Maloney, 1417. We had Yota Suji defeating Mark Haskins twenty one forty five, and Suji debuting a new look, kind of coming out with like a like a, a Jesus looking robe, and then he had like black tights and red boots. Did you guys see uh, Suji's new look floating around on Twitter? I did not. I'm looking it up now. I want to see what this looks like. I I did see this. I just didn't know what it meant. Yeah, I'm not quite sure what what the gimmick is supposed to be or what he what he's working for there. So, uh, yeah, hopefully we'll we'll get some more info on what what exactly uh, Suzy's working with here. Uh, I thought it
1: might be like I don't know, like a Dragon Ball Z monk sort of a thing. Monk.
0: Yeah, like he's like Dragon Ball like early Krillin. I don't, <laughs> I don't know. Uh, yeah, I wasn't sure myself oh, either. I just
2: saw oh yeah, that that's really weird. <laughs> Did he just wrestle in trunks though?
0: Just yeah, yeah, he just wrestled in normal trunks. Okay. So yeah, he's you know. he had
1: he had red kick pads on.
0: Yeah. Huh. Yeah, the trunks look cool. Yeah, I wasn't feeling the rope gimmick. Uh, then we also had a tag title match. The Rev Pro British Tag titles and the PWA tag team titles were on the line. Aussie open. They defeated destination everywhere of Connor Mills and Michael Oku. So they are now the Double champs, they are PWA and the Rev Pro Tag Champions, and then the main event for the Rev Pro Undisputed British Heavyweight Championship and the Rev Pro British Heavyweight Championship. Will Ospreay defeats Ricky Knight Jr. to become the undisputed undisputed British Heavyweight Champion in Rev Pro post match angle Aussie Open. Uh, comes out and helps Osprey beat down Ricky Knight and Shooter Omino, and they put on United Empire shirt, so it looks like Aussie Open are officially members of the United Empire. So we had a question here from Boots and Burns. Now that Aussie Open has joined the United Empire, do you see them eventually making their way to Japan and becoming the designated tag team of the faction?
1: Um, yes, I actually do, and I think... We've kind of speculated on Aussie Open quite a bit in the past, especially since, you know, when New Japan did some of those um, Red Pro shows, they were kind of featured on them. They even had what was basically a tryout match with G.O.D. at at a certain point. Um, But with travel restrictions and then COVID and other things like that, it's just never worked out that they've been able to get them in. And I think now with the lack of tag teams and everything like that and some stuff starting to open up a little bit more, I I do think that the push to have them potentially come to New Japan makes all the sense in the world. Yeah.
0: Any thoughts on that, Danny? Yeah, uh,
2: otherwise, why would they do it, right? <laughs> otherwise, why would... I mean, unless the idea is just to have people everywhere he goes, honestly, but eventually you have to think, He's not going to be going everywhere, right? Eventually, he's just going to be back in New Japan. Um, yeah, so I think logically, eventually that'll happen. But who knows what that timetable looks like? I hope it's sooner rather than later. But there's no telling at this point.
0: Yeah, I mean, off the open, they are a great tag team, and I think there would be, you know, a, fr- a breath of fresh air in the tag team division in New Japan, especially for the, those long World Tag League tours. It's always great to get a, a new. Fresh team like Aussie open and I definitely think it does some interesting things for the United Empire Going forward and we had a question from just a little bear zero one It is to Japan tangential, but thoughts of Aussie open join the United Empire in Rev pro So we kind of touched on that any other thoughts on these guys joining United Empire oh, Like you said, they need tags.
2: They need tag teams, right and uh, Tag teams like a dedicated tag team as opposed to makeshift tag teams all the more, you know How many of
1: those do we actually have? Right. Yeah, I'm in total agreement with that.
0: So then moving on, we had Suzuki defeating Jonathan Gresham this past weekend at a GCW show. And then there was a a post-match angle between Nick Gage and Suzuki, which is setting up a singles match for Suzuki and Nick Gage at GCW's War Ready on October 23rd. Also, Suzuki was announced for Bloodsport on October 25th, or excuse me, October 24th. So, his opponent not announced yet, but Suzuki working GW those weekends. Then the Monday free match is Tomohiro Ishii versus Kota Ibushi from the G1 Climax 28. So, a great match to watch to get ready for their rematch this year. And then last news item here, there was a multi-promotional show on September 14th at Corken Hall. To celebrate the 70th anniversary of Japanese pro wrestling the show drew 514 fans. And it featured 2AW, NOAA, Big Japan, Michiganoku Pro, and New Japan. Um, setting a match in other companies like Dragon Gate, DT, and All Japan. sent other wrestlers for a battle royal. Uh, the New Japan match was Yuji Nagata and Rishike Toguchi. Defeating Hiroshi Tenzon and Master Wato. And then we just have one other question here, some fight questions here for you, uh young boy. What are your nice th- what are your thoughts on Nick Diaz versus Robbie Lawler too this weekend? Better late than never. Is it weird that we're about to have watch them fight before and after their primes, especially when they've been in the same promotions during their primes?
1: Uh yeah, so I mean that's a great question. I mean, um, it is weird that I mean Nick Diaz and Robbie Lawler fought in the early days of the UFC and Uh, this is a fight that I've always wanted to see happen again, but the, the even stranger thing about it is just the fact that Nick Diaz is returning (laughs) to MMA at all after, I think the last time he fought was like 2015, 2014. It was against Anderson Silva and he was pretty infrequent up to that point too. I think he hadn't fought in like two years. So, you know, this guy hasn't really been a full-time fighter since before the, uh, GSP fight that he had, um, Whereas, like, Robbie Lawler kind of, like, came into his own at the later stages of his career, won the UFC welterweight title, and, you know, now we're g- getting to see them fight each other. And I don't really know what to expect, to be honest, at all. Um, so, yeah, and I mean, they did spend time in strike force, uh, you know, during their primes, and I guess they were both in the UFC briefly uh, for that second stint, but, uh, you know. Nick Diaz likes to scrap. Robbie Lawler likes to scrap. They're two of my favorite fighters of all time. So I'm I'm just glad we're getting it.
0: <laughs> nice. Yeah.
2: yeah, I I hope it's not sad. You know, neither guy is like ancient, so it should be okay. You know, um, but I hope it's not one of those things that after it actually happens, we're like, oh, some things have been left in the past. You know, I'm like if they both like fail to pull the trigger because one hasn't fought since 2015, the other one
1: hasn't won in like five years, so. That's true. The only thing, though, is Robbie still always looks game for the most yeah. part. Um, but Nick, we he's the big question mark. We don't know what to expect. You know, and maybe if if Robbie Lawler, like, blows him out, then it's like, okay, Nick Diaz is done. The thing, though, there is the chance that Nick Diaz is just still super limber, still has that gas tank, and he does kind of make Robbie Lawler look bad. Um but that would be more of a testament to Nick Diaz as opposed to a, you know indictment on Robbie Lawler. So I don't know. Yeah, we'll see. I mean, yeah, we
2: literally have no idea what to expect, right? Six years is a long time. I haven't
1: mm-hmm. seen Diaz
2: at all. I mean,
1: it probably will be a war, though. Like, just based on who they are and everything, it's most likely that that's the case.
0: <laughs> yeah, I hope so. Yeah, it should be a good fight. And his other questions. It feels like it's been forever since a big boxing fight. What are your thoughts on Anthony Joshua versus Alexander this weekend? Uh,
1: I don't know. I felt like that Canelo fight earlier this year was a pretty big fight. Um, who did he fight again? Oh, yeah, Billy Joe Saunders. That was a big deal. Um, you know, so every Canelo fight's a big deal. But how, how quickly
2: we forget all the Triller events.
1: I can't <laughs> believe this. What are you talking about <laughs> having been a big, any big boxing fights? Yeah, Vitor Belfort fought, fought Vanderhoof. The other <laughs> week. <laughs> what? Yo, how about a uh, shout-out to my boy Anderson Silva just fucking icing um, <laughs> Tito Ortiz. <laughs> oh, it was bad. Anyways, um, you know, I've got Usyk in this Anthony Joshua fight, and um, it's probably wrong. Anthony Joshua, I believe, is favored, and, I mean, he's got the power and the size and the experience at heavyweight, but... Um, I don't know, man. Usyk's a fucking killer. Like he's just really, really good. And uh, I know everyone's hoping for this Anthony Joshua versus, um, you know, Gypsy King fight to to happen. And like, I'm not so confident it's ever going to happen. And uh, you know, Joshua's got to get past Usyk. But I mean, Usyk's a, a killer, man. He really, really is. And um, you know, we'll see. I, I think. I think if Joshua wins, he's going to get seriously tested here. And I mean, Joshua is a great, great, great fighter. My okay, so my biggest problem with, with Joshua, he has terrible head movement and always has. Even in the second fight with um, uh, Andy Ruiz, he used really great range and really great angles and good footwork to stay out of out of range. But when it comes to just standing in front of a guy and moving your upper body and slipping and ducking punches and and all that, he can't do it. He never has been able to do it. Uh, And he's not good going backwards. Those are his two biggest faults. Other than that, he's almost a completely perfect fighter. He's got power in both his hands. He can fight on the inside. He can fight at range. He's got good footwork, good stamina. He's got a pretty good chin. But He cannot move his... He's just got terrible head movement. And he gets hit a lot in his fights. And until the Andy Ruiz fight, it felt like nobody was talking about it. But me and my friends have always talked about the fact that he has bad head movement. And Usyk's got dynamite in his hands. I'm not saying Usyk's going to win, but I'm giving him the edge to knock this guy out.
0: Nice.
2: How many points does he get for a win? What? How many points does he get for a win?
1: (laughs) Two, you get two
2: <laughs> making sure
1: you get one for a draw and zero for a loss.
0: Got it. Well, now, last thing we have to do here is a recommended match of the week. So, last week, our buddy Chris Sampson recommended Tanahashi versus Naito from the 2013 G1 finals. And oh, that's
1: when that's when Naito beat Tanahashi.
0: Yeah, uh, watch this match before we recorded, and it's good, but it's different, right? It's different, but it's also kind of sad because Tanahashi's working on Naito's knees the whole match. <laughs> <laughs> the yeah, it what? starts out wrapped.
2: Yeah. Yeah, I mean, the knees are wrapped. And there.
0: Tanahashi's like jacking the knees up the whole match. I'm just like, damn, this is hard to watch. <laughs> uh did you get your, what, to rewatch this, Danny?
2: Yeah, it, it's, a, it's a really, good, really good match. You know, I don't know if it's five stars, but it's really, really good. And with 2021 20, eyes, it's also really interesting to watch too, right, because this is Stardust Genius, Naito, right? And so right. much of the the narrative around uh, pre-Dark Ace Naito is, that, is, the, is about that Wrestle Kingdom 8, you know, losing the vote and having to be in the semi, in the co-main as opposed to the main, even though it was the world title, or the NGPW heavyweight title, um, is about that and about how, you know, like he had bad reception a couple of times. Um, like that, that like the narrative now seems to be like, uh, like it was like a failed experiment of some sort like Naito and he had to flee to Mexico, reinvent himself and come back. And yeah, that happened. I mean, he did go to Mexico, he came back, he's, you know, uh, he changed his whole, you know, stick up. Uh, but that kind of belies that he was really over at this time. Like, the crowd is super, super hot for him. They, they're all Naito, Naito. As the match goes on, it kind of gets more 50-50 with the crowd. But he was really, really over. And, like, it's just interesting to watch now because you don't hear that, you know? Like, so much of it is about, like, how he had to become, you know, John Kilo. Um, but he was, you know, he was a really good babyface too, and the crowd really liked him.
1: Shuyaku. <laughs> This was, in all, in, in in his defense, though, this was the absolute pinnacle and height of his babyface run. Like, it is completely downhill from this point, because within just a couple events, he's going to be getting no responses, and he's actually going to get booed even before that Wrestle Kingdom match, which is crazy.
2: Yeah, yeah, but to, to hear the story now, you would think he never hit these heights, you know? No, like, no. like, yeah, like that, was. he was unsalvageable. Like, yeah, like, you know. No, it, it, it was a big deal. It, yeah. Yeah, so,
0: it, it was just kind of crazy, too, seeing the way he wrestled, because he was doing a lot more high-flying as well, like the, the, the flipping senton. Also, he, he won with the, the Stardust Press, and he yeah, has a great back-and-forth matchup. Also, a, a lot of flavor that we've seen in normal Tanahashi, night-to-match, also working on the knees, Tanahashi, dragon screw, the clover leaf with a big part in the match. Tanahashi hitting the high fly flow uh, to the outside. Uh, yeah, but that was just like a very big moment where Naito finally got up, hit that Stardust press on Tanahashi. The crowd lost their mind that night when he won and got the, the big trophy, the big check, the big presentation. It was like you know they were trying to you know they were trying to make their new guy right then and there. Also, we know it didn't quite work out that way, but. In that moment in time, a huge moment for Naito, um, you know, beating the ace in a G1 final. Uh, it was great stuff. Uh, so, Danny, you have the uh, recommended match of the week for us for this week.
2: Yeah, so um, I'll give people a break from the G1 just to see something different, right? Which kind of should uh, make you appreciate the G1 matches more. I, I think, you know, like, this will be the Yano match. <laughs> right um but, but it's not totally it's uh i picked the uh, keji muto versus Nobuhiko hiko from the january 4th 96 uh dome show that's obviously pre-wrestle kingdom um i think josh you mentioned that it's the biggest match in history um for for new japan it was completely sold out and super hot crowd. super super hot they had another match in october of the previous year which some people rate higher um I wouldn't, I wouldn't say this is a five-star match, but it's just a completely different kind of match, especially for the time. It was Puro versus Shoot. Um, yeah. Which is just, you know, like at the time, when I, I actually saw it way back when. I didn't see it live, but I saw it on tape. And I was like, what is this? You know, it was so different. You know, it was just like that first Okada Omega. It just hit different. You're like, this is really different. This is something, you're doing something that I also unlike- think it was uh,
1: title versus title at the time as well.
2: You might be right, Ed, I'm not sure about that. I'd ha- um, I'd have
1: to look again, but I, I recall like um the posters saying title for title and you know, the, the belt that uh that they used in the UWFI was the same belt that it was the belt that was donated by um Luthez and they called it the Real World Wrestling Championship. So <laughs> <laughs> and they were challenging all the other champions of the world. So, you know, it was IWGP versus Real World's title and uh you know pretty interesting stuff.
2: Yeah, I think it aged really well, but, uh, but uh, with the caveat that it benefited at the time from people not knowing what MMA really looked like, right? Like, all they had was like pancreas and that sort of thing. Like, Now that you know, like, okay, someone can't sit in a heel hook for that long. Like, that's not possible, right? Right. Like, like you know, it's a little different on rewatch, but it's still really good for what it is. Like, they work it really well. Like, I love that Takata counter to the figure four that he does, that he just throws his arm up, and he's done it, you know, before and since, obviously. But it's just, it's such a simple little thing. Like, why don't other people do that? You know, like, that makes sense. Um, But there's a lot of little things like that, and everything looks like a struggle. Everything looks like a struggle, but not, like, in a botchy kind of way, just kind of... um, you know, that they're really fighting for position. And it's, it's one of those matches, since it's, it's shoot versus Puro, that when they actually do a Puro move, like M- Muda does a spin kick or actually gets a suplex, it gets a huge pop because it's so much harder to get against somebody like Takada. But yeah, it's a really interesting match. It's, uh, like I said, it's, the crowd just is absolutely ape for this match. It's great.
1: So I looked it up, and I, I'm incorrect on that. It's not title versus title. But the reason I thought it was is because I know for a fact that I've seen programs or uh, like posters that said that it was titled for title. And I think that maybe they changed it, but because only the IWGP titles on the line here.
2: Hmm. Well, but, I'll tell you, this crowd didn't care. <laughs> title versus title with just a single title. They were rabid.
1: No, because I mean, it's essentially ace versus ace. You've got. At that time, the two biggest, and I mean, it sounds crazy, but in 1995, UWFI was bigger than All Japan. In fact, they were probably arguably somewhat bigger than New Japan. You've got the two biggest stars of of the time. I mean, it's basically like Goldberg versus Steve Austin,
0: but in Mm -hmm. Japan. Well, I'm looking forward to checking this one out. You guys have been hyping this one up a lot, so definitely looking forward to. Well, we, this out. We've been
1: hyping up the circumstances, Jeremy.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah.
2: I, like I said, I, I wouldn't rate this five, but it's you know, it's just a moment in time that it, it is a good
1: match. Watch. But it's it's one of those things where it's like it's one of the most important matches in the history of Japanese wrestling. So it's it'd be like a, uh, you know, how how much do you like Rock and Hogan?
0: Mm, gotcha. You know, yeah.
1: It's an important match to watch because you know how much do you like Hogan Andre? yeah
0: right. well still still down to check it out so that's the recommended match of the week danny thanks so much for joining us this week tell our listeners where they can find you online and plug all your stuff man
2: yeah um you can find me on twitter at, at njpwext and on my website njpwext.us um you go there to find out everything you need to know about the extension that i wrote to uh to enhance NJPW world like you so um, so beautifully put at the start of every show. Um, and that's it for me on social media. I think I'm also on Reddit as NJPW EXT, but I hardly ever post.
0: Thanks, yeah. If you guys haven't done it, man, there's a reason why we plug it every week. The EXT makes New Japan world so much better, so much easier to watch. So much better. They should be paying Danny millions and millions of dollars to to be working on NJPW world. Um, maybe maybe one day they will but definitely check out the ext sign up for the patreon uh, support danny a guy that's been giving back to the new japan community and uh you know great guy great guy to have in the new japan content world thanks so much yeah and that's going to wrap things up for us here this week next week we'll be back to review the latest uh, g1 climax 31 shows If you enjoyed today's show, please consider making a donation by visiting socialsuplex.com slash donate and click on the donate button under the Keeping It Strong Style logo. Make sure you connect with us on social media. On Twitter, the show is at K.I. Strong Style. The network is at Social Suplex. You can follow me at Jeremy L. Donovan. Also on Facebook, facebook.com slash socialsuplex. Also in the Wrestling Squared Circle group, facebook.com slash group slash wrestling squared circle. On Instagram, we are at Social Suplex. On Reddit, I'm the Pro Black Guy. Y'all just keeping it strong style. You can email me, Jeremy, at socialsuplex.com. Also, check out the Social Suplex Podcast Network YouTube channel. Starting to put some podcast clips up on that YouTube, so check that out as well. And check out all the other shows here on the Social Suplex Podcast Network. We have one issue radio. It's by Rich Ladder and James Boyd. We have The Grave Consequences with Caleb and Maserati 8-Bit Suplex with Josh Number 2, All Things Elite With Floyd and Austin The Great Match Generator With Danny, and there might be uh, Something new coming to the network as well So stay tuned to that It hasn't
1: been approved by me
0: (laughs) Don't forget to subscribe and leave A rating and review and,
1: And before we go, two last reminders Send us your voice Clips for appreciation Of the 200th episode And it would mean a lot to me and my family and my uh, nephew. Go follow his page on YouTube, Fennec. That's F-E-N underscore N, the number three, the letter C,
0: Fennec. And we will catch you next week on Keeping It Strong Style, the ace of podcasts. Itchy Thon.
2: Thank you for listening to Keeping It Strong Style. We'll see you next time.
0: What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra low net carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands, and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at hero.co.